Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. How's it going? Anyhow, so that's where they're talking about rain, gales and flooding. I, I hope that's up the East Coast, up around, up around Dublin, areas like that. We don't want any of that. Uh, meanwhile, seriously though, on a serious note, the story this morning that makes the papers with regards to businesses that have closed that will not reopen include many, many pubs. Uh, and the Echo carries it on the front page today and indeed the inside page. 37 Cork pubs close since the start of the pandemic. Uh, Michael O'Donovan, the VFI boss man and publican himself with the Vintners, uh, says that um, that communities right across the country and indeed Cork City and County have lost very important community hubs uh, through the demise of the pubs. And you know what? He's never said a truer word, actually. I think we've all case histories of, of people who have been lonely, isolated and depressed, certainly in rural Ireland. And you know what? It's actually cost lives. So the papers this morning talk about uh, the pubs in general and the amount that have been lost nationally. And I will come back to that in a few minutes' time. But one of the more interesting stories... Now, while Michal Martin at the weekend and the Sundays was talking about reassuring the public that the government is not contemplating another lockdown, and while they give us statistics about COVID-positive cases, like they talk about 2,100, just over 2,100 uh, on Saturday... In all fairness, there was nearly half that yesterday. So, you know what they were always talking about? That there would be a peak and that we would see high positive numbers across October. That was just delivered on. That, that was expected. Now, the downside to all of this, of course, is the pressure uh, on ICUs. And the front of the Times today says that there are only 12 ICU bed spaces left. And, and, that's, and that's a worry in itself. But anyway, Michal was saying, no, we won't be going into any kind of a lockdown. But if you were to read the mail this morning, you'd be quite optimistic apart from people who are unvaccinated and don't have a QR cert or a COVID passport. But everybody else, they're quite quite optimistic in the mail this morning. They're, they're talking about politicians now saying that they're going to be the ones that are going to make this call. And okay, they'll listen to Neffet and, and what have you. But it's that politicians will actually ultimately make the call and TDs will be putting pressure on the cabinet uh, to do the right thing. And that includes um, the fully reopen, reopening of pubs, um, the opening of nightclubs, hotels, fully opening churches, um, uh, limitless weddings, christenings, confirmations, communions, uh, parties uh, at, at, at functions for those people who have a COVID certificate and can prove that they're double jab. Now, that's quite interesting, I think, because it flies in the face of what a lot of others are saying, that we would have, okay, you'd have to isolate if you're positive for the fortnight or what have you, um, not go to work and stuff like that, that you might have to wear masks across the winter in, in a lot of indoor settings, moving around and stuff. But other than that, that everything else would reopen now. Uh, not for those, uh, I mean, I hate saying this because I get grief then from people who for uh, best reason known to themselves don't want to get vaccinated. But the papers continually talk about the 300,000 holding the country to ransom. So those, the unvaccinated, would not get indoors um, and probably not get indoors across the winter. So I think it's quite interesting that they would go with that at the same time when we're hearing, say, for instance, of 349 bars around the country shutting since the pandemic began. Because also you could see them saying, OK, we're going to do all of that. And we're also going to allow the pubs and the nightclubs to stay open later. Like one TD said, it's not as if COVID takes a, you know, takes a break at 11 o'clock at night, goes off shift at 11 o'clock at night. So I think it's all kind of interesting. And we'll come back to that. Of course, the Nefida meeting this afternoon, so we will have a much better picture probably later this evening because it's bound to leak. One interesting one that I picked up for those, those of you that might be interested is that... Um, um, well, America has, has all sorts of problems. And I talked to 
uh, Brian O'Donovan about this uh, a little later on. He's in studio with his new book, uh, Four Years in the Cauldron. Uh, but it seems if that uh, the Biden administration is opening up to international visitors. If you were looking for a date for travelling to America to see loved ones or whatever you want to go to America for, November the 8th looks like the date now. November the 8th. You'd have to have uh, double jabbed and also have had a COVID negative test three days before you travelled. Um, and it would have to be a COVID vaccine that's either FDA or WHO approved. <laughs> okay, that's quite technical, but I got that one out of the way. On other stories this morning, uh, Cork City has uh, litter shame. It's the front of the echo today. The Lord Mayor says people have got to stop illegally dumping and dropping litter in the city and suburbs, particularly bad Cork City, Mahan and areas of the north side, which they go into in some detail. And maybe we'll come back to that a little later on. Mahan, particularly bad with heavy littered sites. They have maps on the inside pages of the Echo today uh, going into the detail of the littered areas down to the estates in actual fact. Um, also, you know, there was a, a firearm, a gun went off apparently at the weekend, Saturday, early hours of Saturday morning uh, on the north side. This is a story that makes the Echo today from uh, O'Mahony Square in Blackpool. It was a fellow in a hospital. His injuries are serious but not life-threatening. Uh, 25 years old, suffered gunshot wounds to his upper body. And um, very good news with regards to um, super guard work over the weekend. Uh, a few days last week, we had um, a, a, a robbery after robbery after robbery of taxi drivers. Um, now, I can't say much of this because it's possibly going to be before the courts. But Garda Press tell us this morning, and the Echo have it, that a man's been arrested following a number of those reported taxi driver robberies. You know the ones we spoke about at Knife Point? We had him on air Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. A man in his 30s was arrested uh, by Mayfield Gardee on Saturday, questioned at Mayfield Garda Station under the Criminal Justice Act um, following a number of uh, um, robberies at Knife Point on the north side of the city. Robberies of taxi drivers or attempted robberies at Spring Lane, Thomas Davis Street in Blackpool and in the Mayfield area. So I think in fairness, we need to uh, give credit where credit is due. That was good coppering. Um, with the Christmas um, countdown on, not quite sure how many days, but I'd say a scary, uh, a scary little amount of days, I would think. Uh, but we have problems with regards to shipping and freight. And that's going to lead to issues. If you are getting stuff from overseas that has a plug or a battery in it, um, I wouldn't hang around with trying to source those because apparently electronics will be on the hard to get list. Toys as well, unfortunately. I'd be just marking your card on that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hang around if there are must get toys for Christmas because everything has been slowed up. But interestingly, they said Christmas trees. I said, are you joking me? There couldn't be a shortage of Christmas trees. We were growing them the length and breadth of the country, but it turns out that it's Machia Christmas trees, <laughs> which, Mightn't be a bad thing. Might encourage people not to go for a Machia tree if you can't get it in time from China. And instead, go and get a real one. The smell of the tree, nothing like it. Uh, and don't be talking, talking to me about having to brush up or hoover up the little pines. Um, just get on with it. They no comparison. So I don't think it's such a bad thing if there's a shortage of Machia trees at this Christmas time. And it would appear to me that Conor McGregor doesn't actually know the difference between work and his social life because he's back in the front page of the Red Tops today for another alleged punch, this time a disc jockey at a party in Rome. The Italian yob, they call him. 
in the front of this morning's sun. And Ian Bailey has found love. Not only has he found love, but he's found himself a new home. And he's moved from Skull to uh, Glen Gareth, I believe. Um, it's understood he got a house off a friend. Um, I'm sure he's paying the friend, but I mean, he probably it's rent that he can afford. And he's also got a new girlfriend. He's very happy. He may be interested to know, and many more besides, that uh, sex gets better after you're 50, according to the latest survey. And who likes sex better after they turn 50? Women, apparently. So a little bit of advice to the young. Don't be too worried about it. It gets better as you get older. And then... More on this in a few minutes' time. Sofia Vergara and Joe Manganiello, um, very, very famous people from Hollywood, a very famous couple. Um, it's like our equivalent story to Matt Damon up around uh, County Dublin there during lockdown. We had Sophia and Joe on Lee side at the weekend, taken in the sights. <laughs> Fitzgerald's Park. Having Jackie Lennox. What were they having? Like one was a fish and chips or a burger, maybe a potato pie or a meat pie or a patty or something. Uh, but anyway, I'll come back to that a little later on because they were all over the gaff. I don't know whether they kissed the Blarney Stone, but they were up at the Montanati Hotel out in the balcony there looking at the super views. And that makes the paper stay. If you have a puppy or a dog um, in this very interesting world that we live in these days, there could be a time where you might get paternity leave. Not paternity leave, but paw, P-A-W, where you apparently will be able to go up and ask your boss, approach your boss and ask her or him if you could have paternity leave for your new puppy. Because a new puppy, they they, they no difference whatsoever, apparently, between a new puppy and a new baby when it comes to minding. Um, so paternity leave, I don't know, what would you get? Would you get a week? Maybe a fortnight? Maybe three months until they're toilet trained. Who knows? The Neil Prenderville Show. Anyway, lads, let's make the most of it. Lines are open at 1850-104-106. Straight to the phone lines we go. Okay, uh, David is standing by, but first up, Annette. Annette, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Now, you are talking to someone, right, who knows absolutely nothing about Sophia Vergara. So you have to tell me everything about her and why she's so famous and popular on Lee side. So Sofia Vergara is probably best known for being in the uh, sitcom Modern Family. I know that. Yeah, I yeah, haven't seen it, but I do is, know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is in that. And she also guests, hosts uh, the Ellen Show every now and again as Get well. Get away. Okay. She's really, okay. And I suppose I know Joe Manganiello more from Magic Mike than he's Spider-Man days. Um, I was kind of a fan of that movie, you'll say. Okay, thank you, for that. Oh, thank you for that. So, and I know she's got like something like um, 800 million on Instagram or something like that, something ridiculous. Uh, something crazy like that, yeah. So, yeah, how did you react when you, heard she was, when you heard they were in Cork? Well, I thought it was really interesting because we, as a family, we watch Modern Families all the time. We'd watch episodes after episodes together. And my son, TJ, who's 15, and his friend, Connor, got into their head that they were going to come to Blarney. So the two boys headed off on their bikes, their Harleys, and a slitter and started poking the ball on the green below and Blarney, waiting to see if they'd see them. And we were kind of skating here at home, but thinking, look, if it gets them off the PlayStation for a couple of hours, why not? <laughs> Getting leave them, them hitting off a Harley with a ball. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Next thing we got a call to say that they got a glimpse of a blacked out windowed uh, black van and there were two people walked in that looked like them. They said, I'm convinced, man, it's them, it's them, it's them. So when I heard about the tax, I said, mm, maybe it's worth going down. So down I went anyway. I gave the two boys two fresh masks and out they walked and the two boys approached them and asked them for a photo. It was all over very quickly. They stood in for the photo. That was with TJ and his buddy Connor, wasn't it? 
TJ meet Buddy Connor. And, and I have the photograph body. here. Wow. It's a beaut. It was amazing. It's a beaut. wonder if they kissed the Blarney Stone. I'd say they didn't need to, but probably, probably. Did, he, did, they, did the lads find them, the couple very approachable? No, I think they kind of thought we were like the, the cork paparazzi. I think they were a little starstruck when they came out and saw that we were there. I had the camera on the ready. The two boys approached them the minute they came out of the um, the gift shop, you know. So, but, uh, but Joe said, okay, she didn't really speak. And Joe said, okay, but we're in a bit of a hurry. And they were, I said, we'll only take a second. They were in and I was saying, you're very welcome to Ireland, very welcome to Blarney. Hope you got to kiss the Blarney Stone. I tried to engage them in conversation, but... They were a little stunned. No, but in fairness, they could have just barreled on and ignored the lads and you, and they didn't. It's all right to say, okay, but we're under a bit of pressure. So that's fine. Oh, they were, I mean, it was so kind of them to give that moment for the boys, because those boys now think they are absolute nutter superstars. They are superstars. And (laughs) did they have the little dog with them called Bubbles, I think, did they? They have, yeah, they have a little dog, but he seems to carry the dog all the time. I I don't think I've seen the dog use its legs, you know, I don't know. (laughs) The The little dog is covered in some kind of a towel or something, is it? (laughs) Yeah, a little fleece blankets. You know, you have to mind your little baby. <laughs> I love it. Well, <laughs> weren't they very smart young fellas, TJ and Connor, to say, if they're in Cork, there's a very good chance they will want to go to Blarney Castle. And they were right. They were absolutely bang on the money. It was unreal. Well done. I mean, as I say, we were gag- we were giggling at them, thinking, oh, for goodness sake, look, leave them off. It's an adventure for them for the day. But look, see, it paid off. Do you see it the photograph from Jackie Lennox's when they got... Um, a big takeout and went to Fitzgerald's Park to eat it. Have you seen yes. that? I did, yeah, yeah. It's great. Oh, my That's God. Great. I just see in front of me here the biggest bag of chips I ever saw. I wonder what else did yeah. they have? Would it have been a burger, a fish? Do you have any idea? I don't, but, you know, uh, here in Blarney, we thought they might stop for a bite of food and TJ said to me after, Mom, we should have told him go to the Tongue Thing because that would be the greatest place in Blarney to go <laughs> for a bite to eat. <laughs> they didn't do too bad at all up in Jackie Lennox's, I can tell you. No. And Jackie Lennox's have done well out of it because she shared the photograph of the Jackie Lennox food. She did. She did. She did. I want those and chips so bad. They just, they've done, I mean, they've really put Ireland on the map because if you see the amount of comments on all their, on her Instagram particular, um, of, of their trip to Ireland, oh, I'd love to go to Ireland, oh, I'm looking forward to going back, oh, I was there, you know, it was a huge boost for the Irish economy, I would think. I just thought it was lovely to see on Lee's side at the weekend, all of these photographs doing the rounds and everybody in a great mood. Listen, fair play yeah. to TJ and Connor. Pass on our regards to the Mulya, Blade of Blinder. And of course, thanks, Neil. And tell them, stick to the hurling. <laughs> will do, Neil, will do. We need hurlers. Tell him stick to the hurling. <laughs> Meanwhile, another young, young lad, actually, 12-year-old David Murphy, he's a student up in Christian's College. He's been allowed out of class to chat with me this morning, which is great news. So thank you to Christian's for that. David, good morning. Hi, Neil. I'd spoke to your man before, Shirley, you know, from Diamond Buyers Club. Yeah. She's been on yeah. loads of times. So it's lovely talking to her son. How are you? Good, and you? I'm good. Now, you live in Ardenalay, just across yeah. from the Montanati Hotel, and you're obsessed with modern families, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. When did you, when did you get wind uh, that they may well have been on Leaside? Uh, I was having dinner in the wine tavern down the road the, the night, like a couple of nights before. And then in St. Luke's, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so- then we heard they might be in the Montanati on one morning. And what did you decide to do? 
So we were driving past it to go home, and I saw like a big, like I saw the van, and then I saw like a security guard, and I asked my dad if I could hop out to say hi, and he said you you won't get you won't get in with those clothes. So we we, we walked we walked, we went home. And what was wrong with the clothes you were wearing, lad? I don't know. They were just a tiny bit dirty, and then he said, "No, you're not meeting a famous person in those clothes." I said, "All right." <laughs> Oh my God, fair play to him. It's usually ma'am tells you to go home and change your yeah. clothes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you put on your best clobber, did you? Yeah, I put on my best clothes I could find. <laughs> and down you went. Then, go on. Yeah. And then um, when I was like walking in, I, I realised that security card wasn't really letting people in. So I just quickly said to him, can I quickly go to the toilet? Like it was just, it just happened. Like I, I had nothing else to say. So I said, can I quickly go to the toilet? What I was going to do is go to the toilet and then try like walk around the side or something to like behind him and see if I could spot. But as I was going to the toilet, she was coming out, so I was I was just shocked. Like I just asked for a picture, and she was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There she was, right in front of you. Shock, horror. What do I yeah. do now? <laughs> I never opened up my phone so fast. In my life, it's not, if that was me, now I wouldn't be able to find the camera app. You know, it'd be all thumbs, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so no bother then with the selfie, was it or what? Oh no, no, no. She was like, it's it's annoying with the mask. Like, if we didn't have the mask, it would have been perfect. But it, it was good. It, was, it, it was is fantastic. a selfie, though. It's as good a selfie as. I mean, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. right at the camera and she's very close to your head. So mission yeah. accomplished, you said. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think. That's is she your favorite it. actor? Is she? Uh, yeah, def- yes, definitely. Oh my god. For you, like, it's like James Bond arriving on Lisa, isn't it? I mean, you were like, you know something? You were a bit like James Bond, you know, thinking on your feet. Like, a big burly security guard is not going to let you in the door if you say, can I go in to see Sophia? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you decided to come up with another plan. (laughs) Yeah. So have you been shown it? Did you share the photograph then? Have you been shown it to the lads? Like, as soon as I got it, I just sent it to as many people as I possibly could. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well done so nice person really cool very approachable yes very on, on a serious note because you're a huge fan of Sophia but if for instance she had said no and walked past you that would have broken wouldn't that have broken your heart very yes it would yes yeah do you know what I think did it your Calvin Klein hoodie <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. All right, what a weekend you had. Well done, David. Listen, I'm delighted it worked out for you. We're thinking on your feet. Fair play to you, all right? Yeah, thanks. Uh, Get back into class. What's next? Maths, is it? Yes, maths. I missed a bit of it, son. Oh, hang on. What time is the maths class over at? Oh, I think it just finished, actually. Are you sure? Because we can chat for another little while till it's over if you want. (laughs) Do you want to? No, it's over, it's over. All right, go on back then. I'll see you later. (laughs) Thank you so much. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. It is already with people confusing as to what I said or what I read from the newspapers. What's printed in the newspapers is not necessarily something that I've said. How dare you, Neil, say the unvaccinated are holding the country to ransom. I didn't say that. I don't believe that. I think I think I do not want people to be mandated or forced to take a vaccine. I think it should be personal choice. I've never, ever said that anyone is holding the country to ransom. It's a headline in the papers today that I was reading from. It says, uh, says I, as a response to the unvaccinated citizen who says, how dare you say unvaccinated people are holding the country to ransom? It's the pharma companies who have the government around the world 
wrapped up and holding us all to ransom if the inventor of the vaccines is coming out saying the vaccine and agenda is dangerous then I would listen if you have the vaccine you can still catch it spread and die from the virus so what's the point of a vaccine pass control that's what it's all about please open your eyes and think before you speak I hope that clarified it for you I didn't say it it's a headline in the newspapers uh, this morning it just goes to show the divisiveness that is there between those that are vaccinated and those that are not you should read some of the columnists in the dailies today uh, particularly even Joe O'Shea who's in the mirror this morning uh, is talking about making life as tough as possible for the 300 and odd thousand unvaccinated actually he's got another lovely piece actually in his column in the mirror today you know I know we talk about energy costs and the cost of uh, heating and trying to keep the house warm going up but he remembers back in the day as many of us do uh, when it might have been cold in the house and your dad or your mam might throw an extra jumper at you uh, or they might tell you to wear the jumper and jump up and down a bit more to stay warm <laughs> I know. I mean, it is a serious story, but back in the day, they put an extra, put an extra overcoat on the bed, as the fellow says. Anyway, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Just with regards to Sophia Vergara, don't know where she stayed. Some are suggesting Hayfield Manor. Others suggesting this morning. Brenda mentioned to me the dean, but why would they have been up on the balcony of the Montanati? I mean, the view from the Montanati balcony is absolutely glorious of the city. So why wouldn't they have been staying there? So Hayfield, Montanati, the dean. Take your pick. But uh, great exposure for Cork and indeed for Ireland over the weekend with those that follow her on uh, Instagram around the world when they see those beautiful photographs. And of course, when anyone around the world sees uh, a bag of chips and Jackie Lennox at Fitzgerald's Park, they're booking tickets straight away to fly here, aren't they? Anyway, lines are open at one 104 106 This is some of the most bizarre, and people send me video footage all the time, but this is right up there with the most bizarre I've seen in a while. It's a couple of wannabe burglars who are running around in the dark of night with torches on. I mean, seriously, what kind of burglar goes around with a big beaming torch shining it all over the place? It's the height of daftness. But the story's a lot more serious than that. Holly, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm well. I've seen both of the videos, uh, these cluts with their with their torches on. But it was a neighbor's house across the road, wasn't it? It was. It was a neighbor's house. So it was last night, I'd say. It was coming up to 3 o'clock in the morning. And um, there was a load of... What to me it sounded like somebody was throwing a load of glass into their glass bin. And grand, you know, it's a Saturday night, but about 10, 15 minutes later, the noise is still there. And we're quite used to our bins being taken. You know, we're quite used to the house. There was an attempted robbery before. So I popped outside and I couldn't see any movement. I couldn't see anything. What time? But this now, I'd say we're looking at between three and a half to three. So you got up and went out at half three in the morning? I did. I did. I actually, I went out into the porch and I couldn't see anyone. Now, obviously it's dark. So I was like, right, I just, I don't think anyone would be at their bins at that hour of the night for that amount of time. And fast forward another 10, 15 minutes and there was an unmerciful, just boom, like an explosion. So I ran in, I woke up my mom. I was like, put on your coat, put on your shoes. I think someone's actually being broken into. And lo and behold, then you hear a guy screaming and shouting. He's cursing. And we went outside and our poor neighbour across the road is out, obviously really distressed. And there's a guy on her roof attempting to break into the house. And all the smashing that we had heard was these slates coming off the roof. Um, So it wasn't glass, but he was actually up trying to get into the house. Through the roof? Is he going to come down the chimney or something or what? I haven't a clue what he was doing, but the poor woman was terrified. She thought he was actually in the attic. But he was attempting to get in. So there's us and there's another neighbour next door 
who are outside the house while he's up on the roof waiting he, for Mayfield Garda Station to come down. Is he th- was he throwing slates off it? The slates were coming off the roof, yeah. Because he was because he, he was clumping around up there, is it? I don't know. Was he stuck? I don't know what he was doing, but um, it was just not your average Saturday night. <laughs> okay, all. all right. Now, it's, it's, I assume before this, you had called the guards before you ran out and all that kind of. Um, his the the neighbour had called the guards. Yeah, so we were outside. I'd say no less than ten minutes before Mason Garda station came down. Then one of them was one of the torches that you'll see running around the house because we didn't know whether he was going to come down. Was he going to jump off into somebody else's back garden? So eventually he came down and then they literally had to chase him around the estate to actually get hold of him. So the guards are chasing this uh, burglar with his torch, is it? They did. I assume, they did. He, I so assume the burglar were... left the torch on so the guards could see where he was going. I'm not sure if, if he had the torch. The torch that, that was on was actually belonged to one of the guards going around the house to try and see him because you could hear him up on the roof. You just couldn't see exactly where he was. So did the burglar have any torch? No, no, I, I, I don't think he had a torch. So the guard, oh, like, so I mean, let's get this clear. So the footage that I see of people running around the place, that's actually guards, is it? It is. It's and and one of her one of her sons, I believe, who came straight down once he was called. Oh, I'm much clearer now because it's just the video footage. That, okay, yeah, yeah. And does she live alone, that lady? She does. So obviously now she's terrified. She probably doesn't feel safe in her own home. It's coming up to Christmas, so I assume this is only the start of it. And did they catch him? They did. They they caught the guy that was on the roof. Eventually, they had to chase him down, and they got him not too far from where we live. Um, our neighbours have CCTV, so they were able to to catch him coming into the estate. But I highly doubt he was just walking in and working on his own because, from the looks of it, he went straight to the house. He wasn't interested in any other house. I think he had it picked out. So I'm hoping that there's someone out there who was either driving along the North Ring Road. Maybe they have a dash cam. Maybe they saw something just a bit weird and it's only dawning on them now. Or maybe they just have a dash cam and they wouldn't mind letting Mayfield Garda Station take a look at it. Okay, okay. So let me just clear this up. They caught one guy, the other got away. There was one guy on the roof. There was only one guy who actually came in and walked into the house. And they have him. But we're just wondering, none of us think that he was working alone you know, coming into the estate like that. How did your man get off the roof? He jumped and then um, there's a house not too far from the house he was on and the the floodlights at the back of the house came on. So we all knew then he had jumped into their back garden. So then it was just a chase then around the houses to actually try and get hold of him. Okay, okay, okay. So was there just one guy or two? There was just the one on the roof. But we're just wondering, there was plenty of cars on the road. Maybe somebody saw something. Maybe someone has footage of where he came from. Or maybe they have footage of the same guy from where he parked because he didn't seem to have a bag or a backpack on him. You think it may have been an accomplice. If there was, well and good. If not, at least he's been caught. It it was saying, you said, it's insane. We were all out until about six in the morning. Uh, They must have been watching the place because her son left the house, is it? And it's at that stage then that they... They kicked into yeah, gear, is it? She, somebody had, like, a, a family member, her son had left the house that day, so the first night she's on her own, this happens, and that, to me, that, that can't be a coincidence. You also said earlier on that you're used to this kind of thing. Um, you mentioned an attempted robbery. Was that your own house? 
It was the house that we live in now, but before we moved in, um, there was a lady that lived there before us, and apparently she had a few attempted break-ins. Our neighbours had a few break-ins in the past. They now have the CCTV, which is fantastic, because they were able to get so much last night. But obviously, we're limited to the amount of angles we have from their CCTV, which is why we're wondering, does anybody have any dash cam footage? In case there was a second guy or that he got away in the van or something? In case, or or, or maybe they see him parking somewhere, or maybe they can get a rage, anything like that. And did you go out with with a set of house keys that have a self-defense blade on the house keys? I did, yeah. I was convinced that it was someone at the side of our house, and actually our neighbours, who have the CCTV footage were going to call us thinking that somebody was out our back again because our bins have been taken about three times in the last 12 months. So let me just, ask, let me just ask you about that. Why does somebody want to ring, rob your bin? Oh, we have no idea. They've just been taken a few times. We've like, woken up and they've just been gone. And have you found them down the road or anything? No? No. People are haven't. robbing bins with rubbish in them? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Weird. They, they've been taken a few times, yeah. And this so self-defense blade, um, what, what is that? Is it like a little pen knife? It is, yeah. You want to be careful about taking people on like that if they've got a blade that's bigger than yours. Oh, I just literally just grabbed the keys, I grabbed the coat and I ran out because the cars are parked at the side of the house and I was going, God, is someone robbing the bins? Is someone trying to take the car? An awful way to have to live, isn't it? The garage? Yeah. It's awful, but when when you live in an area that you know there's been a good few attempted break-ins, you just automatically you just run outside just to see, because the noise sounded so close. But when I couldn't see where it was coming from, it was just driving me insane. I know. Did so you I chat? To did, figure you, it out. did you chat with your neighbour? How is she? She's she's pretty shaken up. You know she is. God love her. It's just not fair. Because now she probably feels really unsafe in her own home and I don't think anyone should feel like that. And especially it's an estate where it does have a lot of older people. I know. I hate I hate saying that, but there's a possibility that they target. Oh, I hate saying that, you know, but oh, people 100%. need to... hundred percent. I really, truly really well and believe that that house was targeted because from what we can see, he wasn't interested in anywhere else but that house. But if there was glass smashed... Slate's drawn off the roof, and you also said um, that her car was ruined. Who's going to pick up the... From the, from gonna, the slate, yeah. I mean, she's I got... no idea. She's got a big expense there. She does, yeah, she does, and it's coming up to Christmas as well. So maybe you, could, maybe you could just check with her as to how she's fixed there for the repair work. Certainly the car, we could well be able to help with the car if it's damaged. I, I'm sure yeah. we could find someone who does slating on roofs that might be able to help out. Can you just find out exactly? I, I know I know her son was up helping to, to repair the roof. I know he was up yesterday um, fixing the roof. So well, I if you could just right find out if she needs any help whatsoever, we can get the shout-outs out there, and I guarantee you there will be people in Cork who will help. Oh, of course, 100%. That'd okay. be really nice. All right, do that so, Holly. Find out if... And she may not want any help. I mean, just saying in the event yeah. that she does. You come back to me, let me know, all right? Of course, I will do. Thanks for taking the call. Cheers for now. Thanks so much, Neil. Take Bye, care. Holly. Take Bye. care. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851 Red FM. Text says, come here, Neil. If you don't get a book of vouchers for free food from, f- free food from Jackie Lennox's today, your begging plan will have gone boobs up. <laughs> 
I don't want vouchers. I don't want free chips. I don't want anything. I just wanted people to support local. And I just think it's great seeing shots like that. I really do. So well done to all concerned, isn't it? Great. We have the likes of Jackie Lennox on Lee side. You probably think that sounds like more begging, but it's not. I'm just being honest. Meanwhile, I'll tell you something. Open this morning with the uh, news of uh, pubs across the country. Almost 350 pubs have closed nationwide since the beginning of the pandemic. Now, there's a difference between them closed and whether or not they will reopen at some stage. But 37 of these pub closures are in Cork. Now, how do we know this? Because you can tell from pub license renewal statistics. So that would indicate to me that if they didn't renew their license when they came up for renewal, they don't intend uh, to reopen. I mentioned Michael O'Donovan of the VFI. He joins me by phone. Michael, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Thank you for taking the call. I know you've got television at 10 o'clock. Would you agree with that? If they haven't renewed their license, they don't intend to reopen? Yeah, that's that's the norm, Neil, because it's a difficult process. If you leave your license lapse, uh, you're going to court. It's very hard to relicense an establishment that uh, forgoes their license. So the expectation is that those 37, and I know I've spoken to a good few of them, um, I flagged this back in November and December of last year. Um, a lot of them will not be reopening. And did you chat with them as to the reasons why or how, how they feel about it? Yeah, I did at the time. And look, um, it was, look, a lot of them, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of them foresaw what was happening for, you know, this 18 months that we mightn't get going. Uh, a lot of them, you know, social distancing, it just wouldn't be viable for their premises. Okay, are they small um, pubs then, Michael? Sorry for interrupting. Some are small and some are bigger. Uh, uh, some have, uh, I suppose, debt on their premises and they just couldn't see a way of trading out of it. So um, they've decided to look at other things to do with their property. Um, are they a spread across the city, suburbs and county, I wonder? Are the majority of them small country pubs? Do you know? It, it, it's, it's a total mixture. Some are in the city and some are in the... And the and the majority will be spread across, across the county, but some are in the in the city and suburbs. Okay, okay. So it's a total mix, and like it's it's worrying because look, I think uh, I think, look, I can speak for myself. Operating at thirty three percent of our capacity, it's it's really hard to make ends meet at the moment. Yeah, we lost 37, Dublin's lost 33, Donegal 33, Kerry's seen 22 pubs not renew their licence, and you can roll out the rest of the country county by county by county. However, there seems to be some optimism this morning, if we're to believe what the Mail is reporting, that TDs and perhaps ministers may well go against an effort recommendation and allow full capacity for vaccinated customers across pubs and restaurants and hotels and weddings and funerals and everything on Friday. Yeah, look, uh, uh, Neil, we, we just have to wait and see what uh, the Cabinet agreed to tomorrow. You know, there's lots of speculation one way or the other. Um, it's, I suppose, difficult for us here in Cork City, uh, gearing up for a jazz festival next weekend with not knowing the rostering um, stock. But look, it's... It, Look, as I said, we're operating at 33% of our capacity. That's not viable in the long term, you know. Like, I got my energy bill this morning. It's just gone through the roof. And trying to make ends meet at 33% of your capacity, it, it's, it's just impossible. When you say 33%, you're saying because of table distancing and limited on numbers, that's the spacing yeah. issue? That is, yeah. Okay. That, that is what okay. it is. And that's just the, the, the reality of how many people like we can have in our premises at, at any one time. And the outdoors won't do it or cut it as much as the summer months, no? With, with heaters and canopies and covers. 
Look, there there is some people still going outdoors, but the the evidence coming back from members is is um, the numbers going out are dropping all the time. Look, as the weather is changing, if you get you know like this morning now, windy, damp morning, it's not as uh, inducive to going outdoors. No matter how many heaters, how well sheltered your premises is for outdoors, people would still rather go indoors on a day like today. Um, so, yeah, the numbers outdoors have been reducing over the last number of weeks. Okay. So if it's 33% indoor capacity, that's what you're saying, and that's an accurate figure, and that that is kept in place on Friday, and we get that news tomorrow, will the Jazz go ahead? Uh, I think the Jazz will go ahead, but, you know, it will be, you know, some places, bigger venues can get up to 50% of their capacity, but that would be the max that I'm hearing across the across the city and county and across the country. The bigger venues are obviously able to space more um, and get more people into their space. But um, look, the jazz would go ahead, but it would be obviously a, a very reduced jazz festival. Because I heard something this morning that Boss Aaron don't sound optimistic. They're not putting on extra buses for the bank holiday weekend. I mean... Do they know something yeah. that we don't know, or what? Possibly, I, I don't know. Look, uh, we had been, I suppose, looking to see if the night link might be brought back in Cork, like it was in Dublin, and unfortunately, it's not. Uh, I don't think they're in a position to bring it back at the moment into Cork. Uh, maybe that's due to drivers or or whatever. But look, we still have a good bus service uh, serving the city and suburbs up, you know, until eleven o'clock and after eleven o'clock every night. Okay, so if, for instance. Um, as I suggested there, that the mail are suggesting that we will drive on with the reopening for vaccinated indoors. It would mean also, wouldn't it, that the two meter thing that would all be gone indoors? So you would get, you would then get back to full capacity. Would you be, would you be okay with that, knowing that some of your customers, for reasons best known to themselves, who aren't vaccinated, cannot come into you? Yeah, look, I suppose, Neil, we've been saying, you know, public health is, uh, is is paramount and maybe the way to do this is to keep the vaccine cert in place and let us then uh, see a way that we can move towards full capacity. So I think we have to have a combination of both. I think we're, we're taking it from uh, talking to politicians the last number of days that the vaccine certs will be in play after the 22nd of uh, October. And look, it, it's difficult to do it. Um, I know myself, look, we're doing it since the 26th of July. It is hard checking everybody, but uh, look for the measurements. Mm, people, have got le- la- people have got la- lax, uh, Michael. Not everybody's checking like they were. Well, look, we, look, we've been on record from the start saying the checks should be there. And look, we'd be calling on the HSE and the HSA to implement the you know, checking of the vaccine and checking of the premises that are doing it, because then it keeps us all honest in doing it. So if the unvaccinated, without a COVID cert, can't get in, uh, and everybody else can, um, that's just the way it is. We've got to live with that, is it? Because people who are vaccinated are still getting sick, and some of them are getting quite sick, and some of them are still in, are, are in ICU. So what's the point? Yeah, look, I, I'm not a medical expert on it, Neil, but that's what they've been telling us uh, um, is the possibility of looking for us going back to full capacity because if we don't, I think the uh, consequences will be we'll see that figure of 37 growing, unfortunately, across our city and county. Okay, so for now, we know where we're at and that could remain in place on Friday where you'd have no changes to numbers, um, you know, nightclubs would stay shut, um, but there is a possibility been suggested this morning um, that TDs and ministers might just go on a solo run and force the government to um, get rid of all of the uh, restrictions 
on the vaccinated, but leave the same restrictions on the unvaccinated. That's that that's the two scenarios we're looking at, isn't it? I'm not missing anything there. Oh, and, and also that they would also allow vaccinated search carrying people to go to nightclubs. Yeah, well, look, I, Neil, we have to wait until tomorrow. I don't have a crystal ball to to, uh, to to foresee what the cabinet will agree tomorrow. But uh, tomorrow will tell a lot on all those scenarios. OK, the EWSS is still in place, isn't it? And uh, that, That's in place until April of next year. And pop payments? Uh, the top payments, I'm, I'm not so sure. I think it winds down now in, in, in the end of January of, of next year. But uh, there's no new recipients can join the pop payments now anymore. Yeah, it's still there for those that need it. But just finally, yeah. within hospitality, what's it like trying to get staff? Because restaurants are really struggling. Yeah, it's it, it's it's been a real challenge. Um, I think since the university has come back and the MTU have come back, it's been you know uh, a real help because people have looked for part time jobs and some have picked up part time jobs in hospitality. Um, it's a short term fix, but look, it does get us through the next couple of weeks and months. Um, it's still not perfect. Uh, there's still uh, you know qualified, experienced people are really lacking in our trade. They've gone to other. Uh, job prospects over the last number of months and in that I suppose chefs would be a real uh, critical um, job. In gastropubs and pubs and settings of course yes. Yes, yes. Chefs are the the one and look that's what's driving you can see across the city, across the county uh, lots of places close either a Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday because staff are working you know Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday um, and I think people are just afraid of people get burnt out um, so it's just causing, you know, knock-on effects for, for that kind of operation. Okay. okay, nervous 24 hours or so then for vintners and restaurateurs. Let's, uh, let's see what happens. Michael, thank you. I'll let you get on. I know you have television with Paul Byrne. Thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it as always. Cheers, Michael O'Donovan of the VFI. So uh, I'm trying to just explain the two scenarios that seem to be at play here. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. Low wages, particularly within hospitality. Hugh, good morning. No, you know, you don't I'm good. i got about maybe two and a half minutes. So what's on your mind? Yeah, no, it was just in relation to someone moaning, I suppose, last week about the price of a scone, you know? Yeah, yeah, but 4 for a scone, it's a bit rich, isn't it, for takeout in a bag? I don't think so. Scone, butter, jam. I mean, let's be honest, people have been giving out, and rightly so, about the low wages that are being paid by restaurants. And, and you know, what happens then to pay them higher, you're going to have to charge more. And basically, then the same people are mourning that they're being charged more. Like, so you can't, you can't have this. You can't have your scone and butter. Well, I mean, if you go to a restaurant and you order a scone and a cup of coffee, and the coffee's three ninety five and the scone is three ninety five, that's bone. That's the bones of eight euro, right? Uh, but freedom of choice. No, but would the, I mean, does that mean that that establishment pays their staff really well? No, it means that they can afford to pay them more than they're paying them now. Not really well, right? But, you know, like, restaurants can't get staff number one, right? And they can't get staff because they're not paying enough. So the only way they can get staff is to pay more, and the only way they can pay more is to raise prices. You know, it's simple economics. And and let's be honest too, Neil, it's a first world problem, the the price of a scone, you know? Mm, Yeah, but it, it still becomes a talking point for people when they think you can actually probably produce and bake and put a scone on a plate for maybe yeah. okay except let's say the scone costs you 20 euro you have to treble it anyway because of heating utilities labour costs insurance and rates maybe a euro 
but yeah, and then pay the, the VAT and the council tax, um, pay the tax on profits. I mean, I've my own company, right? And the amount of money I have to pay out every month and every year on hidden taxes, you know? And people don't realise that. It's not that the restaurant is getting four euros. They might be ending up with two euros or one fifty out of that. Yeah. That's the reality. It's like when you buy petrol. Like 62% of the cost of, of petrol goes back to the government. Or it used to be cheap, you know? Uh, uh, and on the basis of what you're saying is the more you pay, the more you're helping people to get proper wages within hospitality, is it? Well, what I'm saying is it is an opportunity for restaurants and little coffee shops to stay open and get staff and be able to pay them more because they can't get staff unless okay. they pay more. Okay. So it's not about ripping people off, it's about staying in business. I think so. I, I, I think I'm being honest. And, you know, people talk about four scones for two euros in Tesco's. Well, then go to Tesco's and bring your scone with you. Yeah. If you want, if, if you want to pay it, you pay it. If you don't want to pay it, you don't pay it. It's, it's like this vaccination thing, freedom of choice, you know? 150 for four scones in Tesco means that if I had a cafe, I'd be buying my scones in Tesco. I wouldn't be bothered baking them. Yeah, and then and then you'd be paying VAT on that, and you'd be paying VAT on what you're selling them for, and you're paying staff wages, and you're paying corporation tax on top of that. And I think someone mentioned the Dublin airport, the cost of the food up there. Yeah. I don't think they realise the exorbitant prices you have to pay to have a shop in Dublin. Yeah, rent and lease is ridiculous rent in airports. Rent and lease yeah. is the highest in the country in an yeah. airport. Okay, my man. Valid points. Yeah. Thank you for them. I'll let you get on. Thank Thanks you, Hugh. Regards to you all in Blarney. Back after 10, you can text 0868104106. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off Thermos. your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And you can email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. As promised, in studio, we've flown him in at huge expense from Washington, D.C., back to his own home parish, for it all started here at Red FM for the one and only Brian O'Donovan um, of RTE, the uh, American correspondent who's just uh, published his book, Four Years in the Cauldron. He joins me in studio. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Great to be here. Do you recognise everything around Absolutely, you? Absolutely, bringing me back. I started here 20 years ago, just when the station launched. I started as a weekend newsreader. Nothing so changes, I suppose, it's still the same? It's quite similar, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's good to be back, it's nice. It must be amazing, though, coming back somewhere 20 years later, you know, and thinking, wow, you know, all I've done, where I've been, places I've seen, and it all started here. It did, and I remember the excitement because Red FM launched. It was a new station, and if anybody's ever worked in a new startup company, there's a great buzz and a great excitement. We were all so young, <laughs> we were all so enthusiastic, and it was such, such an enjoyable time. I had such fond memories, and I started working weekends while still in college in Dublin. I was doing communications in DCU, and I would come down and do my Saturday and Sunday news reading shift. And I always tell the story that when Red FM launched... At that point, I knew I wanted to work in media, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in media. And they advertised for newsreaders and they advertised for DJs. And I applied for both. And Lana O'Connor called me in for a newsreader interview. I never got the DJ interview. And that is how I embarked on the news. Well, I can understand. I mean, I mean, you need to have the smarts, but you certainly have the voice for news reading. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons why you would have been picked. Um, but it's an amazing book. Um, and, and it's full of stories and anecdotes. And for, for me... Um, 
it just it struck me as amazing the pace at which because we just we just see your pieces to camera and we think everything is kind of rosy in the garden but you literally can be anywhere at any time but can I ask you about the about the whole move itself because you're a young family your wife Joanna and the kids like did did you think about that uprooting and going very closely we were talking about that only recently it was probably this time four years ago that the job was coming up and that we had the big conversation with my wife now my wife is incredibly uh, enthusiastic about travel she's far more adventurous and has a better travel bug than I so when I suggested even going for the job in the first place she said 100% go for it I think it'll be great we felt the kids were young enough Lucy and Aaron when we went out were only kind of eight and four so you know they weren't in that teenage year where we'd be uprooting them from the leaving cert or from secondary school or anything we kind of felt they were young enough that we could do did it did you have then. a vote on it like did the kids get a vote no they were of an age where we pretty much told them I suppose but they were excited too uh, I have a brother who lives in Philadelphia which isn't too far from Washington he has uh, three young boys cousins similar ages to the girls so they were excited about living near family over there yeah. which was great yeah. um, and, and you were saying it's only for four years yes yeah. and that's the part of the thing people say will you will you miss it and of course I'll miss it and I'll miss the rush and I'll miss the buzz but it is a four year posting and that's almost what we viewed it as it was and viewed Katrina Perry was there for you she said similar you exactly know, like, and it's been a posting that is four years, I think it's a good length. Uh, it gives you this buzz, it gives you this rush. You get to cover these massive, massive stories. But it's a moment in time, and then it's wonderful to be able to publish a book and look back on it all, and just to have it all encapsulated in the pages, a sort of almost like a souvenir or a memoir of what was a really an amazing time I mean, and a wonderful about, time for journalism. Talk about four years in the cauldron. I mean, you had Trump, you had McGregor and all of his antics. You had the upside of things like the Oscars, and you covered that and the St. Patrick's Day parades and stuff. But you had the building the wall, you had Brexit, you had as I say, Trump, Weinstein, Jeffrey Epstein, you had the election, you had COVID uh, hit. Uh, I mean, like, talk me through all of that. Like, I, mean, I mean, it was there. Do any stand out? Well, what I'd say, when you mention all of those things, what dominated for a lot of the time was all of those things being viewed through Donald Trump's handling. Donald Trump loomed large over everything for the three years of my four years because you talk about COVID. It became well, what was, how did he deal with COVID? And then, of course, you had all the controversy about him suggesting you would ingest disinfectants. You, you or take talk drugs about that because you were yeah. there when this was happening. Yeah, and he was talking about the disinfectant. The and, then, and then the company said to come out the next day and say, they to say Please do don't not swallow it. bleach. And what we see now, Neil, to this very day, is people still doubting the vaccine in America. A huge level of vaccine hesitancy. But those same, many of those same people are quite willing to take things like horse dewormer tablets or hydroxychloroquine or uh, whatever else you're having but they won't trust a trusted vaccine and I think it speaks to a level of distrust a level of disunity and a level of fracture really in the US that has existed post-Trump Joe Biden has not been able to heal that I don't believe in any great way it's still quite a divided nation but yeah I mean looking back over the four years incredibly busy but a lot of it as I say those big big stories handled through the prism of Donald Trump he dominated all he loomed yeah. large over everything and he yeah. dominated the news and, 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 and he and dominated also, my job there without <laughs> a doubt because also it all culminated then with, with Trump ending not getting re-elected and the, and the, the riots and, and march on the capital yes and I mean if you look at 2020 as a year I had an idea of what that would be it would be an election year it would be busy and in the January it looked like Donald Trump had a good chance of getting back in. If you recall, the Democrats were kind of tearing each other apart. Joe Biden was having terrible primaries. He was losing all the early primaries. It didn't look like the Democrats were coming up with a good candidate. The economy was doing very, very well. Yeah. Everything was looking very, very good. And then the coronavirus hit. And do you, you say in the book, um, the quote here is, is a country, actually, you, you, I think you actually say that 
if it hadn't been for COVID, I don't have the exact words, so correct me. If it hadn't been for COVID, he probably would have been re elected. would have. I don't want to say definitively, we can never say that definitively, but I think he probably did a very good chance. And I spoke to some of his key people, his former chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney. He said, yeah, that January, that February, they were preparing it. Because remember what Donald Trump's strengths were, was the rally. And going out and rallying the troops and holding these big speeches and these big campaign events, that was all gone. That yeah. got locked down with COVID. His other big strength was the economy. All of a sudden, he had to tell every business to close. And as we know, he railed against that. And he did not want to people to close their businesses. He didn't want churches to be closed. He didn't want people to wear masks. So the whole thing frustrated him. I also think the COVID year highlighted for people the differences in America when it comes to that federal system of the states. The states have all the power. It's up to Florida to close their schools. It's up to Washington to close so the he shops. It's not up to him. And yeah. that, that drove him mad. He yeah. did not like being losing the power and not having the control to open things or close things as he saw fit. Yeah, because clearly you would have been in and out of the White House uh, and and also a lot of the other buildings, but in and out of the White House, in and out of the Oval Office. Clearly, you'd have to have security passes and things for that. What's that like? Well, it changed with COVID. Um, so initially. I was pleasantly surprised to see the level of access both on Capitol Hill and both in the White House. As a journalist, you are entitled to go into both. The Capitol Hill access I have always found fascinating. It is, and other people would comment on this, a very, very open building where people can go in, even tourists. You get in quite easily and you can get around very and easily. And so did rioters. Far, I was just going to say, far easier than like the likes of Leinster House. Not anymore. That has definitely been clamped down post But you know, like say, in, in the White House and moving around the White House and moving around the Oval Office as being an Irish television journalist, I would say you're treated probably better. Are you being Irish? It, it helps. So you get the access, and I know people. some people roll their eyes and they're a bit glib about it, but every St. Patrick's Day, that presentation of the Bowl of Shamrock, that is a really genuinely important, big diplomatic event for Ireland. It's the envy of many other small countries and it's wonderful to be the Irish journalist because we ride on those coattails and we're brought to all those events as a result of that. The Irish card has most definitely helped. I've been at events with Speaker of the House, I've been at events with the Chief of Staff of the White House, I've been at events with the President because it was a part of an Irish delegation and an Irish event so that has most definitely helped. The other thing I would say about the Trump White House and he came in for a lot of criticism because you know he got rid of that daily press briefing and he didn't do a lot of formal press conferences and like everything with the Trump presidency, there was an informality there was an upending of the norms but what he loved to do, Neil, was what we call chopper talk, which is where he'd walk out of the door of the Oval Office across the south lawn of the White House to get onto his military Marine One helicopter to take him to wherever he was going and he would stop and he would talk to the media and he would take the time and walk up and down the media line and speak to everybody. I got access to him that way, he would speak to me, so that gave a level of access. He knew you were Irish and he knew Not you necessarily, but I would shout Irish related questions. There's a piece in the book where I said I've been down to the White House a few times and I'd failed to to get his attention because of all the shouting and the roaring of the helicopter engines and my wife Johanna said she said why don't you try shouting out the word Doonbeg you might catch his attention and it did and it worked and he what happened when you shouted Doonbeg and actually and Doonbeg was in the news at the time <laughs> you may recall as with everything but Donald Trump there was controversy over where he'd meet Leo Varadkar where would he stay would yeah, he spend yeah, yeah, US yeah, taxpayers yeah. money on one of his own resorts when he was going to visit Ireland so I shouted out Doonbeg he heard it he came over asked him a few <laughs> questions about his plans to come to Ireland so got the interview with the guy so it worked <laughs> if you ever want to know how to do things right ask your wife that Absolutely. That is a lesson for us all, Neil. I mean, I mean, in general. When, when, you know, when you're there and you're rearing two small children and you're living, what, in Washington, you had to find somewhere to live, they had to find school. How difficult was that? Because you could be anywhere at any time. Yeah, and, and people and friends had sort of advised us to find a community that had good neighbours, good supports, good friends around, because I would be away a lot. And that was the truth for the last four years. Lots of last minute breaking stories where you have to leave. We found a wonderful community in the suburbs of Washington, a good school for the girls, made some wonderful neighbours and friends. 
experience and that was key, particularly for my wife because she was on her own when I was off dispatched doing a story as I say, many times at last minute. So that was important. And uh, we made fabulous friends in the US and we will miss them. Uh, that is one of the things we will miss. And did most, you always probably. feel safe for, say, you and your family? Because you spoke about it. I mean, you went to a gun show, for instance. You talk about that in the book. Like many of us were going to a record shop or buying a CD or a book. Guns, it's God and guns. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like it's two complete diverse things when you say God and guns. And they link them and this conservative view and often the gun rights campaigners would say it's our God-given right to bear arms, this right to bear arms, you know, that's enshrined in their constitution and they sort of link it to religion. And Well, you went and you registered at the door to go in there and for weeks afterwards you're getting um, special offers on guns and bullets (laughs) by email. Absolutely. We went to this shooting range, this gun show and when we'd registered they took, so I would get these text messages in all capital letters, special offers offers, buy your Valentine's a, a special gift Gift this Valentine's Day, get a Ragon, you know, this sort of thing. Crikey. Yeah, no, it was unbelievable. And these text messages would come through thick and fast. And of course, you say, well, why did you just unsubscribe, which I could have, but I was fascinated by it. And, and I felt with these text messages, they became more frequent and almost more exclamation marks and capital letters the closer we got to the election. And there was this sense that Joe Biden was going to take away your guns. And that was one of Donald Trump's catch calls saying, I'll protect your Second Amendment right to bear arms. He'll take away your guns. And there was this belief in the run up to the election. And actually, gun sales increased in America in the run up to the election among the sense that if the Democrats got in, they'd uh, change gun right laws. So much happened in those four years. I mean, we had the, you know, murder of, of Jason Corbett, more to the point, the Tom and Molly Martins trial you that was on the other coast wasn't it no 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 that was on the same coast it was North Carolina it was about a six hour drive oh, okay. uh, but it was a reminder and that, that was a case of um, that, went, that could have gone on forever absolutely yes and and, and, and what, what that was for me was the reminder that the Washington correspondent of RT is not just the White House or Capitol Hill it's also and what I would say a very very important part of the role issues that affect Irish people there was an Irish man who had been murdered there was a family very very upset of course back home in Ireland and it was very very important that we cover that trial and all those proceedings and there were other incidents of assaults or people who would fall off a bike or fall off a cliff or get hurt or whatever and I think that was a key part of the Washington correspondency of RTE that you were there to cover those big big issues. But you have to stay impartial do you? Oh, 100%. You have to. I mean, but, but particularly with any story like that, I feel when it's legal or a court, you know, you are constrained by those sort of things. In the wider political world, people say to me, oh, you saw all this Donald Trump stuff. And, you know, the job of the journalist is to be fair, impartial and balanced. And the best way to do that, I have always thought, is to present the facts. And that really but came you, into but, it. But you would have an opinion on all of those. Yeah, stories. and I mean, particularly with Donald Trump, I felt there was, some people would say, oh, the media gave him an easy ride or you went along with a lot of the stuff he was coming out with. I mean, that really changed, though, Neil, towards the end when he started telling lies that the election was stolen. Everybody just started calling him on that, except conservative right-wing media that, and his support base. But the larger, but does RTE media, call out enough like that? I, mean, I would say we did. Yeah, I think we we are our, our main focus of lines, but which is not, you know, he is making these false claims about an election was stolen. I was always very keen to highlight that the courts, the attorney general, his own officials, everybody said this election wasn't stolen, but still he persisted with it. And worryingly, Neil, he persists with it to this day. He had a rally last week, and it was the same words again. But that just means that he's gearing up for... He absolutely um, is. As he would say, taking out Sleepy Joe next time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, will he do it? I don't know. It's still three years away. It's still, he's certainly gearing up for it. Uh, He still is a huge support base. And people always ask me, why? Why is he so popular? And I speak to lots of people for the book and they told me the most fascinating stories for different reasons. He appealed to different people for different reasons. Maybe you were a wealthy businessman and he cut your taxes. Maybe you had very conservative views about guns or abortion and he ticked those boxes. 
Also, a lot of people liked that he was the outsider. He was not a politician. He came from the outside. He wanted to drain the swamp, change the Washington establishment. And he said, I'm this billionaire businessman who has done it all in the business world and I'm going to run the country in but the isn't same it, way. Yeah, but didn't he create, a, a, a part of the book you talk about, a melting pot of cultures. Didn't he create that? Or he certainly raised the temperature on that melting pot of cultures that don't seem to get along that led to the death and the murder of George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. You were there through all of that. The issue with Donald Trump was that it was a politics of division and they were divisions that he stoked. Everything. Look at the Black Lives Matter movement. Rather than focusing on systemic racism or problems with the police force, he focused on the negative aspects, the looting, the burning, the rioting, that side of the protest movement and said to his base, if the Democrats get elected, it'll be chaos and anarchy on the streets. You have to keep me in power. I'm the president of law and order. The coronavirus was divisive because he would focus in on the Democrat-run cities and states that had mask mandates and that had closed businesses and he'd say... Oh, if you elect the Democrats, they'll shut everything down. I'm the guy that'll keep everything open. So everything along the line, and you mentioned immigrants there, remember was his divisiveness. It was divisive, yeah. but remember his platform yeah. when he ran, when he launched his campaign the first day, he spoke about the building the wall and keeping out immigrants. And that was his policy. That was his uh, politics of division. It worked to a point, but I think what we got, what happened in the coronavirus year was it, his, that politics didn't work. And that old Donald Trump tactic of, I will divide, I will conquer, I'll blame everybody else. It's not my fault. It's what he used to call it, the, the China flu or the China virus or the Kung flu. It's their fault. That didn't wash this time and people weren't happy with him. Yeah. But you look at Biden now and it can be quite alarming watching him, his, his lack of conference, con, uh, his lack of, um, uh, of, uh, of recall and his, his memory losses. You know, that, that's a worry, never, isn't it? What I look at Biden as, as a campaigner, he, look, everybody knows he was never the best speech maker. He was never the best interviewee. He seems he gets confused. Yeah, that wasn't his strong point. I think during the corona, bizarrely during the virus, it sort of almost suited him in one sense because as a campaigner, that would not have been his strong suit. Holding a big rally or addressing a big crowd, that all disappeared, of course, in the virus. Now, Donald Trump tried to persist with his rallies, Joe Biden less so, so there was less public events. What Joe Biden brought to the American people, I think, was a wonderful sense of empathy. He came across as someone who was knowledgeable about world affairs, compassionate and cared. What has happened, unfortunately, for Joe Biden, I think, in recent weeks is that some of those views have been upended. His Afghanistan withdrawal did not go well. I think people were taken aback by that. They kind of said, well, hang on, I thought you were the guy that was meant to understand how foreign affairs worked. Or you were the guy that was meant to understand human suffering and the need to help these poor people in Afghanistan. So he came in for a lot of criticism there. He's only nine months in the job. It ha- I would say it was a kind of a very good si- for six months. Definitely the last three months have challenged him. Virus is still a big problem in the US. Remember, we have very low vaccination rates. He has some big challenges ahead of him. But they're opening, aren't they? November 8th, I believe. Yes, good news for the Irish people who have not been able to travel home, or rather not been able to visit family and friends in the US. They will be able to do so uh, from November 8th. For me personally, when I came home last week, it was the first time in two and a half years. We could always have come to Ireland, but we wouldn't have been allowed back in. So... Um, it's a good time to open, I think, again. It'll be good for Christmas. It'll be coming up to the Thanksgiving season in the US, so I think a lot of people will be excited. That was, a, that was a long travel ban. Are you, are you finished now? Uh, no, I finish at the end of this year, uh, so December, so I still have a few weeks left yeah. to go. And have you got other irons in the fire, a different department? You stay well, yeah, in, I mean, we would got to go back to the RTE newsroom. It'll probably be a Dublin-based role. I just don't know what it will be yet. You're guaranteed a job in the RTE newsroom after your stint. I'm not just not sure what it is, so conversations to be had with the so bosses. One thing I learned from weeks. the book is that we get value for money from you. 
big time because at one stage you were on the phone to me. That's a funny story. I was I was chatting with you on the air. You're in the back of a taxi in Washington and there's a big row going on in yeah. the taxi. So it was, what I was talking to you at the time about actually was it was inauguration day. It was the morning of Joe Biden's inauguration and Washington was like I had never seen it before. So we were only two weeks after the storming of the Capitol. So there was a huge security presence in Washington, D.C. Every road was closed with an armed military roadblock, military trucks. It was like a war zone. I'm on the phone to you informing the good listeners of Cork and my cameraman is next to me having this unmerciful row with our taxi driver who keeps telling us I can't drive down that street it's blocked and we said no we have media passes we can get in we hoped we weren't 100% sure if we would get in to be honest so I'm raising the volume of my voice while talking on the phone to you in the hope that the listeners at home won't hear and they my didn't cameraman arguing with the taxi driver because there's always a bit of blagging isn't there there was a cop then who literally didn't want you to be where you were but you were live on television on camera I don't know it was 6-1 or 9 o'clock whichever um, and he ultimately just he eventually just gets so fed up of you being where you shouldn't be he says so he pushes the camera yeah, over that was the night that uh, uh, Donald Trump had been diagnosed with the coronavirus himself just the night before and uh, we didn't know at the time but his condition had really deteriorated that day we were reporting into the 9 o'clock news he had gotten very sick as people will recall he had to be taken to hospital and they were bringing in the helicopter to take him to hospital we were on the lawn in front of the White House and this very irate security guard came and started shouting at us to move I couldn't stop because I'd already started my live report but towards the end of it he copped the camera shoved it out of the way and it looked crazy on air people were wondering what on earth had gone can you, wrong can you not, what did they say oh we seem to have lost technical problems there sorry about that and nobody knew so I was getting calls from the newsroom are you okay uh, people on Twitter were saying I don't know what happened and in my head it was like I don't know what happened either we didn't understand can you not put up a, a sign saying I'm Irish yeah, stick it on exactly. top of the camera yeah, 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 because no, they love even the you know Americans love to be Irish Americans you probably got that all of the time oh I'm Irish or my generations back are Irish and absolutely you got that all the time it opened a lot of doors I used to find it a Trump rally where maybe the media weren't getting a great time off people, maybe they were anti-CNN or they were anti-this station or that station. When I would go up to talk to the Trump supporters, they were always perfectly nice to me because Irish, Ireland, it helped open a few doors. Would you like to have had a one-on-one with them? With Trump, absolutely. I did many you years did ago. You did Yeah, didn't you? and I outlined it in the book. That was a kind of a business interview for when I was the TV3 Washington yeah. finance correspondent. And, His uh, life's a TV show, isn't it? Yes, like and actually Leo Varadkar, I interviewed him for the book and he described meeting Donald Trump in the Oval Office like being a guest on a talk on show. a talk show, mm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, look, a, a very interesting guy to interview, to meet. A tall man, big physical presence, both physically and in the room. You know, he is the one commanding all the attention. But would you, in the room. like, I mean, you're not there anymore. Would you call him a chancellor now? You probably couldn't have at the time. Or you um, think there was. I would never use the word chancellor, Neil. He appealed to a huge swathe of the American public. He ticked an awful lot of boxes. And what I will say about him, whatever else Europeans, Irish people may think about him looking in. When he did some of the controversial things, that is what he said he was going to do. He yeah. said he was going okay. to pull out of the Paris okay. Climate Accord. He said he was going to pull out of the Iran nuclear deal. He kept the promises. He said he was going to do it. A lot of people might not have liked what he did, but this was the pledge that he made and he stuck with it. What about family life and, and time off and, and holiday? Oh, incidentally, did you get to the old Ebbett Grill? I, I did, told you. yes. Thank you for the recommendation. It's really good. Did yeah, you like very, it? Very, very nice. Did you get yes, a steak yes, in there? Yeah, it's really tasty. And that's a beautiful old sort of um, historic place that the lobbyists would go. So I had told you that. So that's you did, where you want to go if you want to pick yes, up the stories. See all the lobbyists working and the politicians no, It's a wonderful working. restaurant and a real institution in Washington. So we went there. So did you get down to Florida for a week or 10 days with the family? Yeah, we used to take trips. but Unfortunately, again, it's outlined in the book. Some of those trips used to be interrupted with That's news right. stories. Right. I was in South Carolina at a beach one time with the girls uh, around the time George Floyd was killed, so that changed everything. I ended up having to do a report, kind of suit on the top half of me, shorts on the bottom half of me, hoping people wouldn't realise, oh my God, where's your man? And then, obviously, the holiday to be kind of cut short. And yeah, because if you're doing Morning Ireland, or even if you're doing, say, say Claire Byrne or whatever, 
There's no sleep for you then because that's three and four in the morning. Yes. So what happens is the time differences have their, I suppose, advantages and disadvantages. The main, t- the last television report obviously is the nine o'clock news at night, which is only four. That's PM. easy enough, though. So that's nice. Afternoon. But yeah. where you can get caught is at the other side. Uh, morning Ireland is usually pre-recorded at around one a.m. But I would say that is not that. You don't always do that. That's just during the busy times, and you don't mind then because it's a busy story. It's big. You want to be across it, and you want to be all over it. Okay. In the, in the postscript, just finally, you call it a country of gun violence and racism. That's not your full summing up of America, though, is it? No, I mean, what I would look back on, though, is a divided country where everything became a fight. Even wearing a mask, it came down to where you lived and which state you were from and which political party you supported. I think there was a belief that Joe Biden would come in and heal those divisions. Some of them, he certainly made the speeches in his inauguration saying, this is the time to come together, this is the time for healing, this is the time for unity. We haven't seen that yet. Joe Biden's having real problems getting his legislation through not just because of divisions within the Republican Party, but divisions within his own party, the Democrats. There's divisions there. Very divided country right now. And I was very interested, I thought, to listen. I don't know if you heard his speech last month. George W. Bush gave a very interesting speech on this 20th anniversary of September 11th. And he spoke about how America was in this time of crisis after September 11th, the worst thing that had probably ever happened to the country. But they came together, this unity, this unified message. He said, I'm not seeing that now, but I guess contained within that is a message of hope that even in the worst of times, America can come together. It is the most amazing country, the most amazing people. But there are certainly divisions and issues there. Right They're in now. a recession now. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether they know it or not, but uh, things that we're better off in Europe now, and we never would have said that about America. Yeah, yeah. And I think the vaccine we, rollout. We're envious. And the vaccine rollout has fascinated me that America was. Uh, kind of the, the, the pity of the world during the virus because the infection rates were the highest in the world. They got the vaccine so early on, they were sort of the envy of the world, but now this huge vaccine hesitancy there, so it kind of keeps chopping and changing in terms of how America's dealing with this. And if there, finally, if there was one story, and I don't mean it to come across as sounding glib or anything, and it's not a top 20 in any way, shape, or form, but if there was one that stood out in the four years, what was it? I, I come back to something actually we've already touched on here, and it was that day that Donald Trump was taken to hospital and it wasn't necessarily the security guard pushing over the camera but for me that for me was the big reeling in the years moment there we were outside the White House this president who was in his 70s had contracted a deadly virus that was killing people and he to be airlifted to hospital that to me was one of those wow moments and I remember it was a beautiful sunny evening in Washington the sun was setting everything was bathed in this golden light and all these tourists and people just stopped and watched this helicopter being lifted off into the air taking the president to hospital and I stopped at them and spoke to them and there was people who Loved him. There was people who hated him. But on that evening, Washington was united because I think everybody was concerned. Whether you loved him or hate him, and nobody wants to see anybody going to hospital. Yeah. And, and then, of course, what unfolded the following few days was unbelievable scenes outside the hospital. His supporters were there. They were driving up and down in their pickup trucks, waving their flags. He came out then in a car, of course, and waved at them. That, to me, was one of those big, big standout moments in what was four years of reeling in the years moments, if you will. That's definitely one that That's the out. one. That's yeah. the, and you, call, you called that in live, I see, in the book as well. So yeah. that was one of those ones where you called the newsroom they knew nothing about it get me on live yeah, moments like yeah. the stuff we see on TV absolutely it was just unfolding and think about the twist that that was here was a man who had spent a year kind of railing against the coronavirus and doing everything he wanted to not talk about it and not look at it and not deal with it and then he got it himself yeah no, but he did ha- I mean, and used it Neil of course in his campaigns then saying oh I'm Superman I'm Superman I it, you but know? you say in the book yeah sure but 
you had the best medical help in the world. Absolutely, you're not comparing like with like. And of course, he would say to his supporters, "Don't be scared of it; it's no big deal." And said, "Well, that's fine for you to say." You got yeah, the because when one of the, the girls fell in the playground, gastrofarad, I think mm. you you were told, "Do not turn up at a hospital." Oh yeah, absolutely. They will fleece you if you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You have the to call an insurance company. You do. The medical system there. Everybody warned us: do not turn up at a random emergency room. Call the insurance company first, and they'll tell you where to go. Because if you just turn up at any hospital, you'll get whacked with a huge bill of thousands of dollars. So mm. it's a tricky system over there and a difficult system for people to navigate. And again, on an overall assessment of America, you know, the social issues, there's uh, the cost of healthcare, the cost of education. A wonderful country, I think. But if you are down in your luck and if you don't have a lot of money and if you're behind for whatever reason, it can be a difficult country to live in, I to think. To say the least. Yeah. To say the yeah. least. Yeah. So you listen, you're back for the last few weeks, I suppose. Yes. And then back to Ireland in yes. January on to the next chapter of your life. Good Absolutely. luck with it. Good Thank luck you very it. much and thanks very much for having me Delighted on. Delighted that you got it. to come back in. Um, you know, happy memories from 20 years ago. Would you like to read a bulletin while I'm here? <laughs> back for old time's sake. I think that would be a terrific idea. <laughs> <laughs> Go talk to the lads. I will. <laughs> that would be terrific as long as RT don't sack no, you. Kidding, or give, don't you give you a red card. <laughs> exactly, yeah, anyway, Brian and Donovan's four years in the cauldron. Sign that before you go away. Would it be an honour for me to. if you signed the Thank book? My notes are all over it. I hope you don't mind. But... Great to see you. The book's available in all good bookshops and it's great to have you in studio. The one and only Brian O'Donovan, four years in the cauldron, telling the extraordinary story of America in crisis. Um, and it covers everything. And it's it's great too because a lot of social aspects of your life and the family and, and that it's not always a walk in the park and it's not all glamour and glitz. Yeah. It's tough too. Well done. Thank you, Brian. Lines open at one 850 Brian O'Donovan, four years in the cauldron. Pick it up. Make a great Christmas gift as well, lads. The timing's excellent. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Just back to earlier on, we were talking about uh, the cost of things. And on Friday, I got a huge response to simple things like the cost of a cup of coffee in a restaurant or in a bar or indeed a scone or both. Just giving the other side of it, I'm a chef and the price of produce, especially places like uh, food companies that support our two, actually food companies that supply restaurants and cafes, those costs have gone through the roof. Some have doubled in price. So I can see why restaurants have put up prices, unfortunately. that I wouldn't be in a hurry to go to restaurants myself anymore. Some places are just chancers, says Victoria. So she's kind of got like a foot in both camps there if you like. I used to go to a pub in the old quarter in Limerick City Centre for a mini breakfast pre-COVID. It was 7 euro. Last week I returned to the pub for the first time in a year. Ordered the mini breakfast. It's now 9.50. I know I didn't have to order and pay it but I won't go back again. Why should I have to pay inflated prices? Businesses are not doing themselves any favours putting the prices up, says Gay. I wonder if it went up because they have less customers. I wonder if it went up because they can't use all of their tables and they had to cut way, way back in the amount of people they can serve. Uh, Bars clearly had prices advertised when you ordered. If people are that horrified, look at the prices, don't buy. It's different when you're maybe sitting down and you have the menus in front of you. It's kind of, do you still suggest that people should just get up and walk out? Price of a scone. A garden centre cafe here in Cork direction charged us seventeen fifty for two cakes and two coffees. I won't be going there again, says Richard. I paid seven ninety in a cafe for two pancakes from a packet heated up in a microwave. I'm not being mean, but I thought it was an absolute joke, to be honest. They cost about ninety cent for the whole pack. Oh my god, packet pancakes. I mean, if you're having pancakes and two of them are gonna cost seven ninety, then you need them to be freshly made, don't you? On the premises. I bought the fam- brought the family, three kids, two adults, to a pub in Kenmare. Paid for the meal, toasties and chips. Was charged 80 cent for each small glass of diluted orange. 
480 for diluted orange, not stated in the menu. Uh, very wrong, says Mark. That's back to the days on Leaside when everybody and every kid could get free Raza. Uh, Electricity has gone up, so has gas. So whatever they use, everything has gone up. So walk to Aldi or Lidl and get four for two euro. Us mere peasants should be grateful to be able to at least afford the price of a scone. Um, and there's more like this. Actually, the biggest response actually to anything that we did on Friday, I think, was the cost of things like scones uh, and, uh, you know, cafe prices for scones and coffee. So I will come back to it. I want to go back to the phone lines, though. Christina, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. I was talking earlier on about staffing. I just mentioned it again then with uh, staffing and hospitality. You're talking about staffing in creches, is it? Yeah, absolutely. You have um, beehive so, childcare. You finding it tough? Yeah, really tough. So we've had an ad on Indeed now, I would say, probably for a month at least. Um, and we actually ran an ad with yourselves there as well, um, I think it was all last week. Um, and just we're really not getting any response. Um, and I just spoke to another few creche owners. Kind of, it, Beehive is rural enough area, but I spoke to other creches around and they seem to be having the same um, problems getting staff and then retaining staff. Okay, because to work in childcare, you have to have qualifications. You have to be guard cleared yeah. and everything, don't you? Exactly, yeah. So you have to have at least a level eight, uh, or sorry, level five um, with QQI. So that's kind of eight modules, eight components. Um, and I suppose one kind of, uh, well, there's probably a few factors. Um, I think there's probably a lot of foreign nationals that have gone home because of COVID. So that's probably, you know, a, a lot of those who have gone back to their own home country would have had level five and left, is it? And actually what a lot of those... Um, girls would have had is actually um, they might have had teaching and we can use the their teaching degree, um, primary school teaching degree for our you know, that's enough for us um, but also kind of another factor that I, I think anyway, um, a lot of people are finishing the courses, they all want to do SNAing, which I can completely understand, you know you're Oh, they drive on to get to the SNA qualification rather than not going far enough and getting the childcare and getting a job well, actually, it's the other way around, would you believe? So, a level eight, we have, we have, um, oh, I see people what you mean. Out, got yeah. their level eight with childcare, and that works for their SNA. But even, even besides any of that, we need a level five, and we need to do eight modules. But to be an SNA, you actually only have to do one module. So okay. that might take. And why are they weeks. more attracted to SNA positions than childcare? Well, I suppose there's more stability for one thing. Um, w- with the childcare sector, I mean, our, sometimes it's very seasonal work. It's very unlikely that a private creche could afford to keep staff there throughout the summer when the government are only paying for the academic year for preschool. So often our preschool teachers, now we try our very best to always keep, I mean, I call our team the dream team. We try and keep the staff best we can. But often when the summer comes and preschool finishes, we don't have the money to keep the staff going through the summer. So that's one thing that, you know, that's very. Ah, uh, sure. That's what. That's what's That's what's hold the boat below the waterline. People in preschool and working in creches, it's seasonal work that doesn't pay across mm-hmm. the summer. Exactly. Yeah, and like we nah. love to retain staff nah. throughout the summer, but you know, 
we just can't. And, you know, I think there's this kind of idea out there that crash owners are reeling it in and paying their staff nothing. But actually, it, you know, I manage the crash and I manage the wages, I manage everything, and the money just isn't there. Um, you know, if you think that the ratio for the baby room, for instance, for every baby, we say maximum you could charge six euro for a baby an hour. And then you're paying, and then you can only have three babies, for instance. But how to say, what, what, what would you say an hour in the baby room? I know, but when you um, when you multiply it up, what what would a family be paying for childcare a month? Well, I suppose it, it very much depends. Like a, a family, we'll say, as I say now, the baby is six euro an hour, but and we can only have three of those babies. We'll say so that's eighteen euro an hour. Okay that we could possibly make in the baby room. And that's provided now the babies are coming 40 hours a week. That 18 euro, if we're paying staff, even if, I mean, we try and pay our staff well, we could be 13, 14 euro an hour. If we pay them that, you're left with a fiver to pay all your other rates, you know, and every other overhead. So the ratio... I but mean, yet a family could be spending seven, eight, nine hundred a month, couldn't they, for a child? Exactly, exactly. And like, I mean, the government are trying to help now. They're trying to put money towards childcare, but it's just not enough. But do I all mean, creches and preschools pay 13, 14 euro an hour? I can only speak about our own. I would think not, to be honest. I've heard things from other practitioners, you know, they come to us and they're thrilled. They come in straight and they might have been in a place years and ask for a pay rise and not gotten it. They come to us and they're already on more money than they've been in other settings. Because if I'm honest with you, it's my mum who owns the crash and she is very, she tries to be very, very decent with her staff, you know. We try to retain staff, especially good staff. It's so hard to get good staff. So if we if we come across good staff, we try to retain them. Um, and I just think... What is it now? It's moment, gone from 10.20 to 10.50, hasn't it? Minimum wage. The living minimum, yeah. The, so is it, more, is it more likely that an awful lot of people in childcare are actually on 10.50? Yeah. yeah. And they don't and get just, paid in the summer? And then possibly not paid in the summer as well. And then there's yeah. a lot and of other job options for them um, where, where their hours would be guaranteed and it's not seasonal and, uh, and to they're going to change career. Right. And yeah. You know? Yeah. Like working with children, I mean, if you're, if it's a ratio of six to one in the older rooms, I mean, that's quite stressful, you know? And I, I have kind of put ads out there and I've rang people who've passed in their CVs months ago. I rang them and they're moving to cafes or they're moving to garages. It's just, yeah, they just don't want to work in the sector anymore and I can't blame them, you know? <sighs> Man, I don't know how you're going to get around that. I don't know how anybody's yeah. going to compete when it's seasonal work and there's no pay in the summer. You know, it's a very important job to mind people's children. Uh, you're telling Absolutely. me that some of the people that are actually applying for the jobs now have no qualifications. Yeah, they're all, they're kind of all, a lot of people are applying and then we get back to them, they actually don't have any qualifications. They don't realise that it's actually mandatory. Like we get inspected and regulated to check that all our staff have at least, at very minimum, the level five um, QQI in early childhood care and education. So, I mean, <laughs> as I say, they're after increasing now the amount of SNAs that they need by 1,000, nearly 1,200. Um, so that's going to just draw more people away from childcare. Um, people who have done degrees are leaving 
you know, they're not staying in the sector. Why would they? They've done their level aids and they come into a job, they're on minimum wage and it's unstable. And those qualifications, can they use those overseas? I'd say, yeah, they yeah, can. Yeah. That doesn't help either. Yeah. That doesn't help No, either. of course not. And then I do think, I mean, you know, there probably was a time where people were saying there's no jobs out there and that all the foreign nationals were taking the jobs, but they're all gone home and now we're all in crisis, you know? So there are jobs now that you can't fill, whereas before they were saying there yeah. was no jobs because people were coming in robbing the jobs, but they're there now and you can't get people to fill them. Yeah, and I have two, I, I have two full-time positions that I need to fill, um, and I have the space for the children. I'm after taking bookings on the assumption that I'll get staff, but actually, I mean... The, the staff just aren't there. Okay, well, listen, uh, Beehive Child Care and Bearings is looking for say. staff, yeah, and you'll have ultimately yeah. have to fill them or you're going to have to turn children away? This is the alternative, you know. Um, and I think, like, the government can put as much money in as possible, but if the if there's no kind of regulation about, around how much employers can pay their staff, then it's kind of... Where's the money going, you know? Okay, well, listen, if anybody that's listening might be interested and has the qualifications, I'd encourage them to get in touch with the Beehive Child Care in Bearings, isn't it? Yeah, thanks, Neil. You're welcome. Stay in touch. Let me know if and when you fill those jobs, will you, Christina? I will, of course. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. I'd love to know, actually, from others working in childcare or preschool as to, uh, you know, what the scenario is like. What's the landscape like these days, particularly with regards to pay? They're saying there at Beehive they're paying 13, perhaps 14 euro an hour. I wonder are there many paying rates like that or is it considerably less? Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Right across the week, I have tickets to give away for the jazz at the Metropole Hotel. Uh, and there'll be jazz throughout the hotel right across the weekend. The jazz will drive on. We just don't know what kind of numbers um, or what restrictions or what regulations will be in place. We'll know tomorrow, I suppose. Uh, but the jazz will go ahead. And the Metropole is the ultimate hotspot for the jazz over the bank holiday weekend. So we have five pairs of tickets to give away. I'll give away a pair between now and midday today. You're listening for this cue to call. The legendary Miles Davis on trumpet. When you hear that again between now and midday, caller nine wins uh, double pass for the Metropole Hotel, the place to be. Uh, call at 10 on one 850 The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. one 850 Terry standing by in line two. Terry, good morning. Thanks for holding. Can you hear me all right? Hello? Oh, yeah. Can you hear me okay, I wonder? I, I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's not a great phone line. Anyway, belt ahead. You just wanted to pick up on some of our chats this morning. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was just listening there uh, in the fellow from UCC, the professor, and he was referencing the antigen test. Okay. And I'm just, we're just wondering, like, as he said, well, he can't understand why it's not being used. And, like, we've been bowing down to these experts for the last... No, I, I, that's a shocking line, Terry. Can you move around a little bit there? Otherwise, I'll have to I, come... I, I, I can't. Well, I, I thought I thought Joe Peluso, he was in a bad spot. He asked me to hold on. This is the best it's going to get, I said, Neil. Okay, go ahead. I'll try again anyway. Yeah, I know I was saying, like, We've been going down to the experts for the last 80 months. This chap seems to be an expert from UCC. And he's referencing the antigen test and why it's not being used. Who is that? I don't know if uh, this... Liam, Liam Fanning. Okay, what's he saying? He said he can't understand why antigen tests aren't being used in this country. And uh, there are people suggesting that people should have a box of them in every house. Yeah. Um, like, like, we say, like, people, the debate now between the vaccinated and unvaccinated, like, it's 
it's done. It's done on South Wollong anywhere. Like, if, if we say, if you're fully vaccinated, Neil, and you go down to a bear, but you have COVID, you can infect someone. Yeah. Now, the transmissibility is low, and I know the studies have been done. But an unvaccinated person might have no symptoms, and if he done an antigen test, he, should, he could go into a bear and not infect anyone. Yeah. But you, just because you're double jabbed, you have one of these magical stuff. It's, it's like it's like a get out of jail free card that you won't infect anyone, but it's a possibility that you could. So I, I, I don't I don't I don't have any answers, man. I understand exactly what you're saying, and I know what he's saying in UCC. This is always going to be here. We just need to yeah. learn to to live with it and just get on with things. But for some reason, we're still, as you said, we're we're like as if we're caught on a Ferris wheel, going round and round, but, 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 here, here, here or a time loop, as you call it. Here we are again, waiting for for Netflix's masterful decision later on today. Like we we had to say, like every prediction effort has made is wrong. They, they were referencing eight hundred thousand cases two, two, three months ago, and like in the last three months, the unvaccinated people haven't been allowed in bars and restaurants. So it's hardly them being there driving up the cases if they're not being allowed in. Well, you know, there's like five million people on the island, you know, um, and, uh, you know, when you compare the five million, the vast majority of them are vaccinated by comparison to the unvaccinated. There, there is per head of capita a lot more unvaccinated people getting sick in a hospital and ICU than vaccinated when you consider that maybe, uh, I don't know, 4.8 million are vaccinated. Yeah, I know. You know like, do you understand that? that? Like, if you do the maths on it, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not anti-vax. I'm not going to tell people they're injecting brain mind control into you and all this crap. Like, I, I can understand that, but like at the same time, for someone that didn't take this jab, as I said to you, you could walk into a bar and infect someone. And we say someone that didn't take the jab might have no nothing in them. They are carrying no kind of viral viral load of it at all. So, like, I mean, surely this antigen test would prove that. Yeah, no, yeah. And then what would you do? You'd carry the test around with you? Well, I'd imagine, like, I mean, how how else are they using antigen tests in other countries? No, but if you take an antigen test at home, you just get the the small little vial that has either one line or two lines. Are you suggesting you'd show that to somebody at the door of a pub? It needs most, I suppose. No, like, I mean... If you can take out your phone, sure you can take that out. Mm, I know, I know. Um, I, know. But like, I mean, like the, we're, we're here 12 months on from the last time we're left, we had to close down for November to have a Christmas. But you know, that's, like, there's no, there's going to be no going backwards. It's either as you were going forward or open everything up except to unvaccinated. When I say open everything up is no limits on numbers. But, what, but what, what do you think they'll do, Neil? I think that that's possibly what they will do. I think that they probably will drive on. If you're asking me, mm. as in me, I'd say that they'll drive on. I'd say that they'll open up everything, nightclubs mm. included. They'll have no restrictions on numbers indoors. I think you'll have to still isolate if you get COVID. I think you'll have to stay away from work if you get COVID, things like that. I think you'll have to wear a mask right across the winter. But I think the unvaccinated and those without the QR codes won't be left in. And that'd be fair as well, I suppose. And this is not fair on them, though. It isn't, but I suppose, well, when they came up with this idea, it was three months ago, it was for three months. And here we are now, and are they going to extend it for another three months, and then another three months? I'd say say if they do extend it, it will be into the new year and way past January or February. Yeah. Well, like, where where, where does it end? Because, I mean, the people that aren't unvaccinated, now I'm vaccinated myself personally, I am. But I'm saying, like, the people that don't want to take it, They've had the opportunity not to. They've had their opportunity to take it. They've decided not to. 
for whatever reason. Like, I, like if they don't want to take it, that's their choice. But I'm saying, if they haven't taken it by now, they're never going to take it. And you believe that if that's their right, they're entitled to their right, but it comes at a price and the price is access. But for how long? Like, so are you saying, so if you don't, like, is that not coercion? If you don't take the shot, you'll never have a point again. Well, you will, but it'll be outdoors. Do you know what I mean? Wait, okay. uh, if, if you don't take the shot, you'll never see the indoors of a pub ever again. I don't know about ever again, but... Okay, well, I mean, it's certainly a scary, but you're, you're asking me what I think. I'm not saying this will happen. I'm just thinking... So if it's the case of, they're, they're saying the Pfizer vaccine last six months. So in the case of, if you don't get your booster, will you be back with the unvaccinated? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I know. Good question. Good question. All right, Terry, listen, I'll leave it there. I'd lovely chatting with you. Not the best line, but I think we got there in the end. Appreciate it. Back after 11. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national, and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Story that keeps on giving the price of a scone or a couple of sausages and chips. I paid nine ninety five for two sausages and a few frozen chips for my daughter at a hotel recently. Prices have become ridiculous. Nine ninety five, two sausages and a few chips. Inflation is at six percent. Add that to the labour shortage, driving up wages and the bid to recruit and keep staff. This is the consequence of the good times during the pandemic and three hundred and fifty a week for sitting at home. Four euro for a scone is only the start of it. Another one or two here. You know what? You know you have this thing called choice. When they say that'll be four euro, please, you can choose to say that's very expensive. I'll leave it off. But you choose to pay it and then complain? The mind boggles, says Deborah. Ah, for God's sake, stop moaning. If you have a problem, take it up at the bar and question at the time of the purchase, says Sean. Fastest way to lose your money, says Patrick. One minute it's in your hand and the next it's scone. <laughs> Text of the day, that one. Thank you, Patrick. Pubs, cafes are struggling with the rising costs of electricity, heating, gas, plus minimum wage has just gone up. Also, they were shut down during lockdown. They've lost a lot of money. Now they will have to put up prices to recoup the money to keep the business going. It won't be just the price of a scone that's gone up. Prices for all foods and drinks will also go up. It's not their fault. Blame the government. Well, there was the EWSS payments. There was the pub payments and businesses got uh, supplemented money um, from the government and from the taxpayer, didn't they? Surely that helped. Uh, give it him for nothing, I suppose. Is that what you want? God knows, scone, jam and butter should be free, I suppose. Is that what you're saying? Don't mind about the ingredients it takes to make them or the time it takes a person to make them, the electricity or the gas it takes to cook them, the appliances supplied to cook them free of charge, I suppose. I should go and cook your own scones if you don't want to pay for them. <laughs> Thank you for that. There's reams of them. I mean, it just became a very popular topic on Friday and indeed again this morning. Anyway, back to the phone as we go. John, good morning. How are you doing? I'm all for new ideas or thinking differently. Um, you're, mm-hmm. you're, 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 you're coming up with a plan that might even replace COVID passes and QR codes, is it? I'm much more effective, yeah, and much safer for everybody as well, like, you know. What is it? Yeah, great system. It's a, you have a weighing scale and a measuring tape outside um, bars and clubs and stuff and you weigh people and you get their body mass index and then once we know their body mass index we'll know that uh, they're less likely to uh, uh, suffer major side side major consequences from COVID so that they're, they're safer to have in the establishment That's, that would be my suggestion so okay. body mass index passports is what I'm going for 
Okay, now I, I'm all for you know free speech and what have you, but I, are you being serious now, or are you just winding me up? Oh, I'm, I'm completely, I'm completely joking altogether. Obviously, <laughs> but like the because you'd have people outside like, of a bar, for instance, with a measuring tape, a weighing scales, and then they have to yeah. do a couple of sums to work out somebody's. Yeah. Why don't they just pitch pinch the side of their waist to see how much fat they're carrying, kind of thing? I mean, it's a, it's. A, I think that would be a, a unacceptable in today's uh, today's. Uh, society you know i don't think you can just go around poking and pulling at people you know my way my way is um is a much uh you know they, you don't won't have as much responsibility on the bouncer you know so be, uh, you would get rid of covid passes qr codes the vaccinated unvaccinated and just see how heavy they were what they weighed because they well, have exactly, uh, yeah they would get sicker if they're heavier well, yeah, I mean, like, all jokes aside, like, you know... This, okay, that's uh, the joke out of it, be serious. serious point, like, yeah. uh, uh, behind this, because, yeah. you know, they put out these numbers about the disproportionate number of unvaccinated people in the hospital, but, you know, they're propagandistic numbers, like, at the end of the day, they're telling you this specific number because this is what they want you, they want you to lead yourself down this line of thinking. But what they're not telling you is the number of obese people in the ICU. I don't know the numbers for Ireland, but I know it's 78% in in America and I know that if you take all comorbidities you're looking at 90 plus percent so like you're demonizing these people these unvaccinated people because of ICU numbers but you know we've never said anything about you know building our natural immunity building health I actually sent you an email last year and I know but on, I know, but people with, with with underlying health conditions right or somebody yeah, with an underlying health condition who's also overweight at least they're double vaccinated. Yeah, get vaccinated, they should be. Yeah, because they're at much higher risk and they carry much greater viral load. Than but the unvaccinated, you see, I know what you're person. saying. Oh, listen, I'm all for what you're saying in many regards. Don't get me wrong. But your unvaccinated healthy person gives it to somebody with an underlying health condition who's also overweight. How do you answer that? But your unvaccinated person is, depending on their situation, we're not calling a spade a spade. Like, you know, your unvaccinated person could have already had COVID, you know, so they would actually have a much greater immunity. We're seeing now, like, the numbers out of the Maccabee study in Israel of 740,000 patients, it's a big study, you know, are showing that, like, people with natural immunity are far safer. It's not even close. They're far safer than doubly vaccinated people. Yeah, I know, but, like, not everybody that's walking around unvaccinated has immunity. No, they don't. But the other thing is, is that like if you look at, say, young people, the problem is we've completely like if you just look at the scary parts all the time, people have they have the wrong perception of this virus. They have they are scared to death. They think it's much more deadly. They did a, a poll in America asking people, what do you think your chances of being hospitalized with COVID are? People thought it was 50 percent. No, 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 like no. They thought, no. Like, like, the thing about it there's is... 12, what, there's, 12 IC, there's 12 ICU beds left, John. Well, that's a bigger problem with... You see, this is a bigger problem with the Irish... Um, the I Irish know. government and the way that they invest in, in, in I know that. There. I know that. You know, but at and, the same and time, where are we're the still. You bet's going to be for the the late cancer patients. You know, I mean, there's suicides all around the country because of these measures. You know, it's like just it's authoritarian. I I, I understand that, and I also will acknowledge that not all of the ICU beds have COVID patients in them. 
Yeah, I mean, like, but, like, if we're just talking about COVID, like, you know, we got to reassess this virus, you know. I sent you an e- I was on to you last year about excess mortalities, you know, and I sent you an email afterwards, and I know you get a million different things, so I'm not, like, saying you, that you didn't I, bring listen, it up. Man, I don't get to read them well, all, unfortunately. Well, I, I show, oh, no, no, that's fair. What I showed you in the email, though, and it's there if you want to search it, like, is I showed you that in 2017, we had an excess mortality figure of 40,000 people. That means 40,000 people died over and above the baseline of what is expected of people to die. In 2020, we had an excess mortality of 40,000 people. Our excess mortality, people with comorbidities and people in bad state of health and bad immunity every year, unfortunately, some of those people are going to die. And they're going to die because of their underlying health conditions, but it will be triggered by something like COVID or like the flu. Now, we're not talking about immunity. We're not, and there's so many free... But aren't they entitled to be protected? Can. Aren't they entitled to our care? They absolutely are. I mean, I'm, I'm not denying that in any shape or form. All I'm saying is that we need to have a better focus on immunity, firstly, as a society, not just get vaccinated, get vaccinated. You're better off you're better off if you get yourself healthy, you know, if you take your BMI down, if you do breathing exercises every day, if you do meditation, if you do these things, if you get your sleep cycle right, if you do on your diet right, you do these I things draw free. I agree you. with all of that you with know, regards to people's like, health and welfare going forward, but at the moment... You want to be safe against COVID, you, you want to be safe against COVID, that's what you do. Not get vaccinated, you do that. If you have underlying health conditions or you are obese, get vaccinated. But the thing about this whole vaccinating kids and stuff, you know, the numbers aren't there. Like, are you are you never are you never going to take this vaccine? I took it. I have to take it because you did take it in spite of everything you just said. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, like, I didn't take it for my own protection. I took it because of the America reopening. My fiance lives in America. Uh, yeah, I have yeah. to go over. I understand. You yeah, know, yeah. A, lo- a so lot of people did that actually. Sure. A lot of people did that, to be quite honest, to be able to get on an airplane or go on a hot foreign holiday or sit in a pub or a restaurant. That was their motivation. And good luck to them. Good luck to them. Yeah. Well, you see, uh, if you can justify it that way, you know, fair enough. Like, you know, but like with regards to the level of protection, this is giving me. I don't believe it's giving me a a, a, a scintilla of extra protection because I've been around COVID I've been around COVID twice the first time I got mildly sick uh, that was in December 2019 in December 2020 my entire family got it I was in the room everyone was there I didn't get uh, not a single problem maybe you had it already when you were mildly sick I I absolutely did 100% I definitely would have had it in December 2019 okay hold on hold on there a second Melissa Hi, Neil. Did you want to pick up on a point there that John made, was it? Um, yeah, I did. Um, I just wanted to say that um, um, uh, Killian de Gascon, he's the chair of Nefist, Yeah. he actually said that um, yesterday on Twitter that there's the same viral load between vaccinated and unvaccinated people. So just, I know you were talking about that last week. That's so bizarre to me, actually, because that. that flies in the face of everything that I had heard. He said, while vaccination reduces the risk of Delta infection, Fully vaccinated individuals have viral loads similar to unvaccinated and can efficiently transmit infection in household settings. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yes. Fully vaccinated um, I individuals. Just, I, just, I, just want to, I just wanted to clarify that because it's, it's just making out like, it's just making out that unvaccinated people are like really dangerous when it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, but... So vac- vaccination is helping people who do come into contact with the virus 
to help them to protect themselves, especially the older and the more, more vulnerable people. But it's not suitable for everybody. And like I just wanted to clarify that, that it's not going to reduce the... the so he said the vaccination load. reduces the risk of Delta infection. But, um, well, uh, how is that? He did, but he says that it, it's the viral load is the problem. So basically, it's you said the other day that an unvaccinated person can transfer, will have more risk of transferring more of a viral load. But it's, that's not true. It's yeah, but same. but but if, for instance, he's saying that the same viral load is transferred from one person to another, the person who's vaccinated, it has a much less effect upon them. Well, well, maybe not because um, the HSC um, documents that came out there, which, which about the deaths in the last since April, um, since September, there's been eighty percent more deaths in double vaccinated individuals. Now, I know the median age is in, in their eighties. Eighty-five, but, I think. Yeah, so like it's not actually helping at all, really. If eighty percent of people that are double vaccinated are after passing away from COVID, 80% of the deaths were double vaccinated. But do you ex- would you accept that he, he also is saying or should say that even <laughs> if the viral load transferred is the same, the person receiving that viral load vaccinated has a much better effect, uh, a chance of, of, of not getting very sick or ending well, we, up in we hospital? Don't, or, we don't no, know that like, because, geez, the amount, the amount of people I know that are double vaccinated, most of my friends are double vaccinated and everyone seems to be sick. I don't know if you've noticed, everyone has sniffles, everyone has colds and I'm not vaccinated myself. I chose not to be and I don't want my children to be. I'm very worried about my children having to be vaccinated. I don't want them to be and therefore I think once they get all the adults vaccinated, they're 100% going to push it on the children next and I don't want that to happen. And what's your fear of it? Why do you fear it? I know people that have been very sick after it. There seems to be people having heart attacks and strokes all over the place, Neil, and it's just very worrying. Lots of them. So, I would prefer just to, I I don't want to get it at all. Actually, I I won't be getting it 100%. So you you, you will, and how do you feel about, how do you feel about (sighs) the restrictions of your movements now going forward and the movements of your children, well, as they exist now? the only thing, the only problem we've actually had, like I'm not that bothered about going out to eat. It's not going to affect me greatly. I think it's funny that they're continuing it when through the vaccinated have all been eating in the restaurants. It hasn't been the unvaccinated at all. So I don't really get that why they're continuing it when we're not obviously causing... Why is it, why is it going cases. up if the unvaccinated can't get in anywhere? I know what you mean. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand mm-hmm. it at all. Neil, really, being honest about it. Um, my daughter was refused... She's 14, she was refused entry to Milano as a man point recently. Wanted to have pizza with her friends and one of her friends was vaccinated. The other girl was nearly fully vaccinated and my daughter wasn't. And they were refused and I was very upset over it. I just thought it was ridiculous. But sure, what can you do like, you know? She, she needed a fully vaccinated adult for her to get in, which is just crazy. I think, what difference does it make if there was a fully vaccinated adult with her no, I think like that what? might have more to do with, you know, an, a responsible adult monitoring children, I suppose, you know. But sure, she'd have been allowed in if she was fully vaccinated, Neil. Yeah, so because... That, it, that yeah. is an actual rule. Yeah, they probably think that an unsupervised moment. child is of less risk than a, an unsupervised, unvaccinated no, child. No, but sure, you're not... You're, but you see, the thing is, if she was fully vaccinated, she could have gone in. I know. She I know. could have gone in with her friends. That's, it, the rules make no sense. Oh, sure. No, can, no sense, I mean, can't know? an unvaccinated person book in, check into a hotel and move around the hotel bar and restaurant? I, I, yes, they like, can. Yeah. I was at a wedding recently. No problem at all. I was 
touching for the weekend and you wouldn't have known if people were vaccinated or unvaccinated. Because that and strikes said, me as very it, weird, like... It is very weird. Yeah, but yeah. I'd also, I just wanted to, just to say that, that there's, there isn't much difference between being vaccinated and unvaccinated. There's more death in the, the double vaccinated, which is very worrying to me. I think people should be made aware of that. I don't know why that's not in the news every five minutes. But you're, surely you um, are hearing of people who have died unvaccinated. Come on. Un, unvaccinated? Yeah. No, I don't know anybody unvaccinated that has died of COVID. Personally, no, I don't. Do you? Yeah. And I know that before know? Uh, before the vaccine, all of the people who were dying were unvaccinated. But sure, of course. Yeah. But why, why the vaccine is meant to prevent death? Luke O'Neill said all of the vaccines will prevent 100% protection. They give you 100% protection against hospitalisation and death. Yet, 80% of the people who died in the last... Oh, I wouldn't know anything about a hundred. I wouldn't know anything about a stat like a hundred percent protection. I can send you that tweet. I have it saved. I wouldn't mind having a look at that because he, he did. He did a hundred percent say that. Okay. I can tell you a hundred percent that. Well, that strikes me as a strange thing to say. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to plow on if you don't mind. Much obliged to you, no Melissa, problem. and to you also, John. Thank you both. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. We'll pick this up uh, after um, after the break. One of a chat. Uh, with Nina, who um, was really through the ringer big time. Have a listen after this. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Oh, incidentally, I was talking about gun fi- gunshots uh, over the weekend. There was also another gun uh, discharged out in Ballincollig on Friday. It happened around about 20 to midday Friday morning while we were on air, actually. Damage was caused to the front window of a particular residence out there. Must have shot the gun through the window. No injuries reported, no arrests. And that's from Ballancolig on uh, Friday morning, around about 20 minutes to midway. Jim's midday. Jim says, for the last year, I've been saying this highly contagious, silent, deadly killer of a disease will not go away. The only one big hope of beating it is when everyone is vaccinated. Yet, 370,000 people strangely are determined not to be vaccinated. This simple procedure could save their lives and the lives of their loved ones. Yet they stubbornly refuse. Many of them given giving a wide range of conflicting harebrained excuses. All right, some people are just plain stupid. I get that. I still see people getting on buses with no masks, going in shops with no masks. They tell me it's their right. It's not their right to put people at risk. I wonder, do these misguided, arrogant, selfish individuals keep their distance or wash their hands? It'd be no surprise to me if they didn't. I wonder if these mindless, apathetic morons realize they are crippling the health system and eventually they are killing our country. They all should hang their heads in shame, each individual one of them. Whatever about them, I cannot comprehend why doctors, nurses and teachers refuse the jab. Doctors and nurses work in a danger-filled environment of illness, bugs and potential disease. Teachers are obviously near young, vulnerable children in an enclosed classroom. This should never be allowed. All we can look forward to is a happy lockdown Christmas, says Jim McKeown. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that we'll be going back into any kind of lockdowns. It'll either stay as you are or they'll reopen all restri- lift all restrictions on Friday except for those who aren't vaccinated and everything else will be um, unlimited numbers. And I think also if that happens, nightclubs will open as well for the vaccinated indoors. But you have to ask yourself the question, why are we in this position if 90% of the population have now been vaccinated? Why are we even still uh, in this situation? It's a difficult one to answer. John standing by. Paul, good morning. How you need? How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm delighted to chat with you because you've you've actually had a change of heart, haven't you? Because 
You would, no, you would have. Me. What? Not me, my son, my son, my son. Um, oh, pardon me. You and your son yeah. got COVID in July. Um, yeah. And you, you describe your son as having been an anti-vaxxer. Yeah, he, okay. had no, he had no face in his eye. There was no way he was getting vaccinated. We actually had a few arguments about it because I, I got vaccinated as soon as, as my, my time came, you know. I got vaccinated back in May, but the board was contracted at the same time anyway in July. Okay. And for me, um, for me, it was like a bad flu that lasted four or five days, you know. It was rough enough, no, but that's what it was like. But him, he was borderline nearly getting shifted to hospital. Uh, it lasted for weeks and weeks with him, and he's a, he's a fit young fella. He's you know relatively healthy. He never smoked in his life, and he could see how he kills people because he had it in the chest. You know, um, he had a really bad chest infection from it, and um, you know he he got steroids off his doctor and stuff like that, and he got over it. But no, um, he's actually got vaccinated. What did he say about it? All along. You know, we know that he was against it, but when he went through a really bad dose of yeah. uh, sickness, yeah. how did he but feel it, it afterwards? He opened his eyes, you know, you know, he see where, and he saw what happened to me. I was grand after a couple of days, he wasn't, and that's what that's the difference. There was vaccination, that's what, you know, we all guess if we do, I can contract it just as easy as he, he did being vaccinated, but for me, it was like a bad flu. And were you uh, thinking yeah. as his dad that he would end up in hospital or possibly in ICU? Yeah, it was borderline. Like the doctor told him, like if he, they gave him the steroids and they said if that didn't improve him, that he would have been in hospital, you know. So, and, and then, you know, what happens after that? You go on a ventilator and things, that's a sh- and that's how the deaths occur, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he realises that now. Yeah. Well, did he, did he, he get know, vaccinated after all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took, I don't know how long he had to wait, but he had to wait for weeks and it was all the system, you know. But, um, he so he's, really a, he's an example of somebody that would have been very anti taking the vaccine, oh, yeah. contracting always, COVID and having a complete. Over it. But yeah. you see, he was, he, he was reading all this stuff online, you know, and all the conspiracy theories and all that. Whereas I, I took, the, you know, the same, the best, the best minds in the world were working on these vaccines, you see, and, you know, I just, Towards the line. I just got it done. I had no hesitation getting the vaccine, but he didn't. And, you know, I was saying, where are you getting all this stuff from? And, you know, guys I never heard about, like, you know, just reading blogs and stuff like that. But, you know, it changed his mind fairly rapid when he got it. But should it be clearly evident to me that even if 100% of people were vaccinated, we'll still have people in hospital and we'll still have people in ICU with COVID? So yeah, where, where where do you eventually say? Well, isn't isn't ninety four percent enough now at this stage? No, why not? It's the, you see the, the people that end up in the hospital are the people that who have underlying problems, who have bad chests or you know health health, health issues. So for me, you know, being a fairly fit middle aged guy like are you, sir, if you get it tomorrow, that's what happens. Yeah, you'll have. Four or five uncomfortable days, but if, if you had a problem, if you had a health problem, it's dangerous then. And the other people that end up in hospital. And do you think that a proportion of those that are unvaccinated are people who are elderly and are people with underlying health no, conditions? They're, they're contracting it from people who are, are not vaccinated. But sure, if I if, if we're to believe what the Gascoigne is saying this morning, um, they get the same viral load from a vaccinated person. Well, I don't know. I'm just telling you what happened to me, though. And, you know, I, 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 could see, I could see it. If he was vaccinated, 
he would have had the same the same uh, reaction to it that I did. Three or four uncomfortable well, days. Well, that's come here. That sums it. That, yeah, that is a good example of why. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's that's it. Like, and it opened his eyes. And I said it all along. It was a terrible thing to say, you know. But I said he'd have to get it three lasers. You know, and yeah, yeah. and he did unfortunately, and I got it unfortunately, but. You know, I got all of this. Okay, all right. Much obliged, Paul. Regards to you and your son. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. All right. Um, I, I mean... You, something I wanted to run by you there. You remember a couple of years ago when all the nurses were outside the hospitals with a placard marching up and down with their union members and we all supported them by blowing our horn as we went past because they needed support. Yeah. These are the same nurses now who are being cut off by their colleagues and by their union, who who are standing back and uh, letting them being bullied and intimidated into taking a jab that they don't want for one reason or another, be it their conscience, religious, or health issues. So who's representing them now? Those that don't wish to take a vaccine and go to work in a hospital setting. Yeah, who's representing them? Where's their union representative? And tell me, is their union rep still accepting their money out of their, or, or their direct debit every week? I mean, the, that union is collecting millions of euros every week from from, from the, the health board for uh, subscriptions. So where's the representation for them people? Who speak? Where's the voice for them? And these would be the nurses who were there with the staff before anybody uh, was uh, intent on getting uh, a jab and, and when there was nothing there to protect them. But what is, I mean, those that don't want to get vaccinated, even an awful lot of people who have been double vaccinated, who also got very sick, are wondering, why are we even having this argument at all if people who are vaccinated are getting very sick? Well, sure, listen, this is is the part of the science that people don't understand because it it hasn't been uh, uh, done properly from, from the outset. Like, it's an experimental drug from the outset. That's exactly what it is. It's it one brush won't cover everything, and it should have been looked at. At that, you have people with weight issues. You have people with high blood pressure issues, low blood pressure issues. They now want to give it to kids who have different weight weight uh, classifications going into school. So you might have one child there who could be ten stone, and you could have another one that would be six stone. But we'll give them the same thing. Mm. That's look. Look, I have no problem. I'm just I wondering, has there been any update as the amount of unvaccinated people in ICU? I, look, we, we, I said this to you before. We're only dealing with one set of figures. We have no independent figures. Look, we have two radio stations in this city. And if the other radio station turned around in the morning and they said, well, we're the number one and everything, you would have figures on your show that would say, no, you're not, buddy. Well, if they are, they are. If we are, we are. I mean, I, I don't get yeah, yeah. Listen, I don't yeah, get. I don't get bogged yeah, down yeah. and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, but you, know, you, just but, yeah, but you know where I'm going. You'd, you'd have figures uh, from, from uh, an MRBI poll to say, hold on a while, buddy. That's not, that's not right. We have the figures to prove it. We have no independent figures from the start of this. That to, 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 to show us anything. Now, I have no problem with people who want to go in and get jabs. You can get jabs seven days a week if you want to. Yeah, you can walk That's in now, this, can't you? You can walk yeah, in now. Yeah. Walk in yeah, on. You, 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 can go, you can go every day and on the hour if it suits you. It's not going to bother me. But I just wanted people at the staff to get the full facts. But if the, Irish time, if the Irish Times said that 54% of pa- hospital patients with the virus are fully vaccinated, what's the point in vaccination? Yeah. Yeah. Like if more, yeah. 54% of them in hospital... 
are vaccinated. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I look. So I why aren't we saying, people, uh, okay, listen, um, okay, ninety-four uh, percent of the population is vaccinated. It's time to open up the country and just follow the protocols. Do the best you can. Wear a mask wherever you can. Wash your hands. Get on with your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a few people who have had kickbacks on this. They've, 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 they've been jabbed and they've had kickbacks all over. I don't even know. And, and, I don't uh, even know what a kickback means, but they, they've had problems. They've had rashes and they've had uh, uh, bad days and the whole lot and everything. Uh, headaches, chest pains. Uh, but maybe know. that's <clears> the way it's going to be. Maybe there's nothing we can do about that. Yeah, but how come they didn't have it before they got the jab? I, I mean, I'm just looking. I'm just looking at where we're at with the, um, you know, the state of the economy and the country going forward. And um, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. This was supposed to be. This was supposed to be the magic bullet. This was going to cut through the whole thing. Everybody was going to be saved. We're now finding out that that's not factual. Unfortunately, because I, like, as I said to you before, I just hope this, that this don't go wrong. How can so it go wrong? We, 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 we're dealing now with we're dealing with now at the moment, and we're paying compensation cases for the for the for the swine flu uh, vaccine. I, that that was told that there was a hundred percent. You couldn't go wrong with it. Mm, well, I'm seeing I'm seeing the potential of compensation cases from this as well. They're starting to be filed by the courts. But I'm, my my point is, if over over ninety percent of the adult population has received a full course of the vaccine, uh, yeah. and I think ninety four percent, then when you add either the one or two doses, at what stage do we say, okay, that's the best we can do, lads? We're just going to have to carry on. Yeah, but so we had Ebola. Did everybody get injected because of Ebola? No, they didn't. We've had other uh, uh, stuff that cropped up and the whole world didn't go upside down and, and, and people's lives put on hold and, you know, have been rejected. Uh, I, d- I don't think you can compare the death rate from Ebola to the death rate around the world with COVID. Well, it's what people thought Ebola. Like, there was, there was one, one strike of Ebola, like, and you were, that was it, it was throws up. All right, let me get some more calls and texts on the air. Thanks, as always, John, for your contribution. Okay, thank, you. Uh, thank you. I got a, a public and got in touch. I mean, it's just crazy when you see things like this. I own a bar in the city, and I was horrified to see the stories uh, posted publicly on Reardon's social media platforms this weekend. I sent you a photograph taken from the Instagram stories over the weekend. I sent you a video from Friday night. You can see they're clearly ahead of the curve, obviously, and totally ignoring the guidelines. My industry has been on its knees for two years, and I'd like to say I'm surprised. I'd like to say I'm surprised, but with this venue, nothing surprises me. One word of Reardon's carry on is shocking. I hope you get the time to read this out in your show. Please don't give up my details. That's from a bar owner in the city who sent me a video and um, a photograph from the interior of Reardon's, where clearly um, the no drinking, <laughs> clearly the no drinking at the bar rule doesn't exist inside in Reardon's. Not by the photograph I'm thinking, looking at. But you know what? What are you going to do? Like, uh, at this stage of the game, you know, everybody inside in that establishment, even though they are breaking loads of guidelines and recommendations there, maybe even laws with people drinking at the bar counter and whatever, it is rammed. Um, They're doubly vaccinated. Um, Otherwise, they wouldn't be in there in the first place. I don't get it. I just don't. Um, lines are open at one 106 That and lots more besides after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Nina, hi. Hi, Neil. Hi, Neil. How Thank, are you? Thanks so much for taking the call. I won't ask you how you are because I would imagine not good. Is that right? No, not good, not okay, good, no, okay, I'm, ha- I'm okay. having a bad day today. All right, I'll get to the long COVID in a few minutes' time, but when did you actually get COVID first day? 
Um, it was the start of January. Okay. Um, so I just started to feel very, very unwell, kind of flu-like. Mm. Um, but, you know, it got, you know, kind of got worse, high temperature, sore throat cough. Um, but I actually had two negative tests in a row. Mm. Um, but the doctors were still treating it as COVID mm. because, you know, you can have false negatives. So then finally I got a positive. Okay. But, I mean, at this point I was um, very, very sick. Very sick. You know, yeah. very sick. Yeah. Lot, lots very of symptoms, is it? The tiredness, oh, shortage of breath, headaches. Loss of smell, yeah. taste, all that, yeah. No, I didn't lose a sense, loss of taste and smell, okay. um, sense of taste and smell, um, but I mean, um, just floored from it. I mean, just in bed and just not able to move, just not able to move at all. And then, of course, you do have to get up and just legs like jelly, just so weak, um, lightheaded um, and cough, um I mean, just just low. And mm. what, I, what I got then is um, at the time in January, um, like that, that was when there were like 8,000 cases a day. That's right. A lot of people were relapsing, my doctor said to me, and that people were, re, were feeling a bit better and then going downhill. And these are the people, unfortunately, that were ending up in ICU. Um, so I was lucky that I avoided that. Okay. But I, I've, I've had this terrible COVID rush. It's just debilitating it's all over my body and um, so that's a symptom that I don't know if a lot of people know about but it's it can be common enough you know so you never actually got any reprieve from it at all it, it actually never went away since January never fully I did um start to improve and kind of by the summer I you know I still had low energy but I was able to do things and I started to feel you know kind of like myself again um, I was very sensitive to the sun, which I never was before. Um, I, I could feel it kind of like because of the, the COVID rash, it was stinging and tingling my skin. And I just kept reapplying factor, factor 50. I mean, it felt like I was getting sunburned, but That's I wasn't. That's amazing, was, yeah. yeah. Oh, because, I was, yeah, yeah. because at this stage, it's yeah, obviously this is long COVID. It is a condition, but it is actually yeah. no different to COVID itself. Sure, it's not. No, no, it's, no it's exactly the same. Because I was symptoms. just Googling the, you know, when you Google the symptoms of long COVID, it's completely the same. Tiredness, shortness of breath, chest pains, tightness, um, yeah. insomnia, brain fog, yeah. heart palpitations, brain dizziness, fog. and pins and needles. And you described a lot of that. And would you go from, you know, unbelievable heat to feeling freezing cold, is it? Yeah, I... Um I, I just, I can't, temperature regulation is just almost impossible. I, I keep taking my temperature. I can't tell if it's hot or cold. I check, I check the MedAaron app now to see because if oh, yeah. I, I might be freezing and the heating's on full blast. Everyone else is passing out with the heat or I could have no heating on and all the windows open and everyone else is freezing. That's so, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, you know, and I mean, the temperature is back up now every day for the last six weeks. And how do you do? You have a young family then as well. Do you have kids? I do have kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you cope then? Um, well, I mean, you just as a parent, you just have to get on with it. But um, I'm divorced, so at least they spend time with their dad. So that gives me a break. Yeah, yeah. But because you, you yeah. did say to Seamus, if you wasn't, if you weren't a stay-at-home mom or doing everything from home, you'd have lost your job because nobody yeah. would have been able to support somebody out since January with COVID. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, businesses are struggling enough <laughs> as yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. they, they couldn't, uh, absolutely couldn't, you know. So, I mean, 
in that sense, I'm lucky. I, I, I tend to look at how lucky I am in, in the situation. I mean, you have to kind of remain positive. Yeah, you know, but do you have to go back I to bed do. all of the time? Yeah, I, 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 I can't do anything, really. I mean, I'm sitting here in the kitchen now and all the dishes are piled up. Yesterday, I was able to half unload the dishwasher, but that was too much. Um, I mean, t- and today, no, I'm very bad. My legs are like jelly, so I can't stand up for too long. Um, I I have to get re- ready meals um, because I can't cook um, or, you know, just like, and I mean, I have friends that, that you know, go to the shop for me, but you don't want to be bothering people. You don't yeah. want to be a burden on people because it's going on for so long. So, you know, I get to the shop when I can. Sometimes I can't. And friends go sometimes, Deliveroo. Um, uh, I actually found, I've never heard of it before, XL and Barrett Street. They do um, just basic groceries. I so know, I found them very, very helpful. But that's got to be year. very, very expensive when you add it all up. Oh, yeah. I it's, can imagine. There's a huge financial drain there as well that, that I'm finding that, I mean, a lot of the time I can just go, the nearest thing to me is my local garage that has a centre. So that's the nearest thing to me. Sometimes I can't go the extra five minutes in the car to get to Aldi. And because that's a small shop, these are the considerations I and, have to have now. And also, shop, of course, so you're not you're not eating the best of food, so your diet isn't the greatest at the moment. If it's all delivery and takeout, is is oh, it? No, the, well, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't actually get um, takeaways. I I get, oh, get groceries. Oh, you um, get okay. I, you get couriers to bring the go. Okay, so but who cooks uh, yeah. then? I mean, is it is it just a sheer lack of energy that you can't cook yeah. and get out of bed and empty the dishwasher? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Lack of energy and weakness. And I mean, when you have a constant high temperature, it's draining. I mean, every night going to bed, it's it's just night sweats, bad dreams, just mad dreams, you know. And nightmares. Just, I just, I, yeah, yeah. Which I've read is is quite common as well. Um, God. And almighty. yeah, it's so. It's just. I mean, my world is kind of the four balls and. Um, the garage. I'm, I think I'm the best customer in the garage at this stage. But I mean, I, I I do my best to try and get the healthier prepared meals. Like, um, I mean, sometimes I can't stomach certain foods, so I might buy when I do get to Aldi. Might buy a few of the different meals, but I might cook one, and I just can't stomach it. My stomach, my gastric problems will act up, and I just can't face. There's a food I would have liked, so, so I just suddenly. Have you lost weight then, as well as everything else? Um, I've been thinking maybe I don't do the weighing scales. I don't. I don't bother weighing myself. You know, I judge by my clothes or how yeah, I feel. Yeah. But I feel like actually maybe in the last week or two that I have. Um, but I kind of I make sure to eat, and I'm taking my multivitamins. And what's um, um, what what's do you have any memory loss? I mean, we refer to it as brain fog. Has that been one yeah. of the consequences? Yeah, it's just. I mean, it's. I I just have no concentration no attention span i could be in literally in the middle of doing something and forget what i'm doing i have to write you had to write notes down for this conversation with me did you yeah and that even that it was just it's like you you kind of squeeze your eyes shut and you kind of shake your head you just kind of think and even that took me ages just to think so you had like you haven't been away you haven't had any weekend breaks you haven't been in the sun you haven't had any day trips, nothing, no socialising, full stop. I, no, although I did, because I was feeling better during the summer, I got away to uh, West Cork, just clonic And you thought you were out of it and it came back with a vengeance, is it? 
Yeah. yeah. Even then, actually, when luckily it was just the start of the heat wave. Um, but even then, um, going into the water, you know, and swimming and having fun yeah. with the kids, I came out and my legs were covered in a really stinging, itchy rash all over my legs. Unreal. And what do the kids make of this? What's happening to their mum? I, I I just kind of just look sick and I, I had sinus infections, which, you know, I, I kind of would have been prone to a bit before and just I'm sick and there's nothing I can do about it. You just kind of, but you see, you, you put on a show as well for the kids. You know, you kind of, you have to. You don't, you know, you they, they don't know then. The older ones do, yeah, yeah. but the youngest doesn't. And when do you think it will be? Has a GP or a, anybody told you when it will be completely gone? Oh, well, I mean, that's the, that's the, how long is a piece of string? Nobody knows because it's a new illness. I mean, my GP, um, as um, like I, I had, did I say when I came back in September? It, I had three negative COVID tests because it, I had all the COVID symptoms back. So they had to check to see if there was a new COVID infection. Oh my God, you've had a lot of wasn't. negatives for somebody with COVID, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. January but I suppose that summer. Yeah, but I suppose that that because there's no new infection, it wouldn't show up, you know, possibly. But um, so I've had my bloods done, and there's no sign of any bacterial infection, you know, because it's a viral infection and it's COVID. So, I mean, the doctors, I mean, it's a new illness. I mean, they they can all they can do is test to see what they can find and you just treat the symptoms, you know? I mean, that's that's all they can do. No damage and, to your heart or anything, though? Did you have, did you have chest no. pains or anything? Yeah, but not, heart not, palpitations. not too bad. Heart palpitations, yeah, yeah, but nothing too... I mean, I, I know now at this stage that rest is the only thing for this. But I you mean, must be I fed up, up to your back teeth arresting, though. Oh, just at my wit's end and just... I mean, but I just, I've kind of, at this point, I'm kind of almost numb, just kind of accepting. I mean, there, look, there, honestly, there isn't really a day goes by where I don't feel like crying at some point, but I won't let myself. Is that depression? Like, no. It's frustration. Mm. You're, you're naturally a very active, positive person. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. That's why it's so um, debilitating. Is it lonely? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's lonely, you know. Um, I mean, but I mean, I I am lucky that I haven't ended up in hospital. Mm. I mean, some people have just have been sick for this long and they're in, in and out of hospital They've all the died, time. They've so died, for God's sake. Never mind. People anything. have died, exactly. I mean, people have lost, I know people who have lost loved ones and it's just heartbreaking, you know. So, I mean, you have to look at the positives. Well, here I'm you looking. are, in spite of everything you went through and still putting a positive spin on it, in fairness to you. Did you create a Facebook group then to see if there were others like you? Cork Long COVID Support Group? Yeah, I did. I found, like, it was actually when I got um, the blood tests showing that I was clear of bacterial infection, I kind of went on, no. That, like, a bacterial infection could be treated. Whereas, you know, with long COVID, going, no, look, there's no end in sight for this. And I looked up um, support groups, and I couldn't find anything local. There, what there is one based in Dublin that I joined, um, and it, it's just not relevant. You know, they're talking about different things relevant to them, and they're saying, and you know. Tell me about your Facebook group in Cork. Then are there many like you? Um, no, I couldn't find any, or in, any people like me. Sorry, um, no. I mean, because I, 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 I did speak to people on air um, with with long COVID every now and then, you know, so there, there are more than you. I'm just curious as to whether anybody got in touch. 
No, I mean, a few people have joined, um, but it's it's new. I, it's just, I started it at the weekend because I decided, look, there, ha- there, uh, there, there yeah. must be thousands yeah. of people like me out there. Yeah. And there's nothing local, you know, that, that people can just say, look, gosh, I, I feel this way today. And do you have this symptom? And this is a new symptom. Do you have that? Because people are like me. So, like, sometimes there's, there's new symptoms come on that, that I haven't had. It's going like, to support and solace some others as your symptoms come and go and chop and change. It'd be good to be able to ask questions, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And people kind of just to know that we're we're not alone. There's, there's so many of us, and people people don't speak about it really. You know, it's kind of like one of those hidden illnesses. You know, I mean, if you saw me to look at me, I look perfectly healthy. Yeah. You know, but it's and one you, of those. And you, you know, wish, and you wish you were. It's um, yeah. it's on Facebook. It's called Cork Long COVID Support Group. Should people wish to check it out and join, get in touch and chat. Are you Are you looking forward to Christmas? Probably not, I would think, no? Um, yeah. Um, I'm having to try to get organised to try and... That's the thing. You must find it the thought of it daunting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to start kind of going online now to see what to get the kids for Christmas. But, I mean, this Christmas for me will be the same as last Christmas, just immediate family and that's it. I know, you know? I know. But, you know, like, yeah. at least last Christmas you were healthy. You will be healthy again, yeah. and who knows what could happen between now and Christmas. You could just wake up yeah. symptom-free <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> My God, wouldn't that be a miracle? <laughs> well, finger, we'll all cross our fingers now, light a candle, that that might happen soon, all right? Yeah, you never know. <laughs> all right, okay, Nina. Thanks for taking the call. Well, thanks so much, Neil. Thanks. All the best. Bye. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Texas says you need to cut the BS. Uh, You're gone to a new low. It's the flu. My God, how desperate are you to keep pushing the lies uh, this once uh, for its COVID narrative? Shame on you all. Hope you can follow that. Do you really think that I want to be talking about COVID 20 months later? Do you think I get any pleasure out of talking about this 20 months later? Do you not think there are other things i prefer to be doing? And talking about this, I mean, I don't control the narrative here and I'm certainly not engaged in any kind of, uh, um, you know, propaganda or pushing lies in any way, shape or form. Listen, I did get the um, final, that, that there is no update to the stat that I gave earlier on. This is all about ICU. This is about the amount of people in ICU. The only pressure that we're feeling now at the moment is whether or not we'll have enough ICU beds to deal with this and everything else that goes with it. And that's what's controlling the narrative about reopening and relaxing uh, the rest of the restrictions on Friday, ICU beds. So I can't get any updates on it, but the last one I had was that the unvaccinated make up 7% of the population, the adult population, 7%. But yet the unvaccinated make up one third of COVID-19 cases in hospital and two thirds in ICU. That's the problem. There's the bottleneck. That's what Neffet and the government have to work out as to whether that's acceptable going forward or not. Uh, our lines will stay open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Very important number for this. You know the drill. One eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Double passes for the Metropole. The Jazz will go ahead. Uh, it'll go ahead regardless um, as to access numbers and stuff like that. We'll have to wait and see what happens in that regard. Today is World Menopause Day, and I had wanted to come back to it this morning and finish a conversation with Peggy and Crowley, but things got away from us, so I will pick up in the morning. But also in the morning, Peggy has sent me some beautiful, beautiful gifts to give away. She has created a whole range of gifts with people who are perimenopausal or menopausal, which would be uh, bam 
incense and oils and scents and candles. And she's put together some beautiful gift packs for me. And I'll give those away in the morning. Your thoughts are always welcome. Text 0868104106. Text 0868104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.